Howdy, 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 do who fans? Welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name is Gary. My name is Adam. And this is episode 269. Oh, yes. One day, I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine. Our lives are different to anybody else's. That's the exciting thing. Nobody in the universe can do what we're doing. I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow, so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. You may be a doctor, but I'm the doctor. The definite article, you might say. The trouble with time travel is, one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. I am the doctor. For now, for this moment, I am the doctor again. The ground beneath our feet is spinning at a thousand miles an hour. And the entire planet is hurtling around the sun at 67,000 miles an hour. And I can feel it. We're falling through space, you and me. People assume that time is a strict progression of cause to effect. But actually, from a non-linear, non-subjective viewpoint, it's more like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. I could be a curator. I'd be great at curating. I'd be the great curator. <laughs> I could retire. Yeah. I'm the doctor. I've lived for over 2,000 years. And not all of them were good. I've made many mistakes. And it's about time that I did something about that. Bit of adrenaline, dash of outrage, and a hint of panic knitted my brain back together. I know exactly who I am. I'm the Doctor. Sorting out fair play throughout the universe. Howdy, howdy, howdy do. Doctor Who fans, I hope you've all had a cracking week and that you're safe and healthy. And that you've managed to do something, something Doctor, Doctor Who, Who related. related. <laughs> something Doctor Who related, eh? Yeah. Read a book, or have you watched a DVD? A DVD. Or, or a Blu-ray. Oh, dude, I was miffed last night. How come? Yeah, I, I, I was that miffed, I even went to Twitter about it. <laughs> oh, was it about the... Uh... Menus taking yeah. forever to load. As you do. When you're miffed, you go to social, don't you? But yeah. yeah. Uh, so last night I was like, right, I need to watch the final final couple of parts for uh, for the ultimate foe. So I thought, well, I'm going to get the box set out because it's lovely and everything and the advantages of that with like the, you know, the picture quality and audio and all that stuff. Yeah, loving it. And every time I pick one of those box sets up, I always have the same thing. And that is, it takes a bloody long time from when you first put the disc in to when you actually, the intro starts when you when you play it. So am I the only one that thinks that? I don't think so because a load of people liked it and stuff, but it just seems there's an awful lot of faff before yeah. you actually get to even the menu to select the episode. So I think there's, there's, there's two rounds of, because I think on this one, I don't know if they've done it with the other Doctors, but on this one, you've got Colin saying... Uh, Doctor Who season 23 and then so you go through that and then there's the BBC ident with all these little pins in a circle yeah which is nice and then you've got to select audio navigation uh, navigation enter now that's it yeah you've got Colin <laughs> saying that and then you've got another ident it's the Doctor Who trailer which you know they released it oh, when Jodie right. was coming out 
Yeah. The little gold triangle crystal things in the fiery asteroids. Thing, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then you've got that. Uh, and then the screen just goes blank for about 10 seconds and you think, oh, okay, something's happening. And then you finally get the menu and stuff. But compared to when you used to stick, like other Blu-rays, you know, and the old Doctor Who DVDs and stuff, you stick them in. Within like 30 seconds, you're up and running. You only got the the two entertain logo that pops up. Oh yeah. <laughs> and then you've got audio navigation and then you're into the menu. These bloody Blu-rays. I love them. Don't get me wrong. I love them. I really do. And it's first world problems. I complete, I completely get that, but it's just for Frick's sake. I yeah. just want to watch the ultimate foe. <laughs> You've already wait, waited 10 minutes just to get it on. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know which set it is. It's not this one. I think it's the McCoy set where the TARDIS hum, it's probably the TV, it's probably the speakers on TV, but the TARDIS hum is just really distorted on, on that one. But I think it's our speakers. It just can't handle that particular pitch of hum on TV. It sounds dreadful. The resonance from the speakers. Yeah, there's yeah, a... It, it really, really vibrates. <laughs> so I have to always turn it right down. Well, I was going to say, that trailer that we mentioned, you know, with the little... Is it orange or little red crystals and the asteroids? Oh, you're asking the wrong person there. Yeah, I'm colorblind. Um, oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, it's, it's green, so, isn't it? <laughs> it sounds like... Uh, Sounds like someone doing a bit of a trouser cough uh, when, because um, there's a bit where the audio, it's only about five seconds, I think, but as the audio builds up and then the last note as the, one of those little things sort of whizzes through the logo is like, Oh, I know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Never going to look at that the same way again. Yeah. Anyone that's not clocked yet, just uh, watch the little, I think it's only about eight seconds really. Mm. Yeah, it's like the Doctor Who theme, but it's like in a sort of echoey, reverberated kind of deep sort of bassy sound. Yeah. It's very funny. Anyway, so yeah, I was miffed last night, dude, but I got through it and um, yeah, we'll come on to our review uh, a bit later. But yeah, you've been up to anything Doctor Who related, bud? Are we only recording uh, on Friday? So this is only a few days for us. I was going to uh, say, yeah, because I normally I've done a few things in between when we record, but we are, yeah, we're only recording a few days later. Mm. And um, I haven't been up to a lot, actually, for once. Uh, it's The weather's been absolutely cracking um, here. And, uh, you know, as anybody who lives in the UK will tell you, we don't normally get that big ball of fire in the sky very often here in the UK. So I, I have been outside a lot. Um, I haven't really sort of been indoors doing you know, watching DVDs and things. Um, in fact, the only thing I have rewatched, and I've been a bit of a traitor, actually, it's not been Doctor <gasps> Who. I I finally downloaded uh, the trial of, um, not the trial, but the Disney Plus <laughs> seven-day trial, not trial of Time Lord. And um, so I've been blitzing my way through Mandalorian, very late to the party, I know. <laughs> but uh, I've finally been watching that. So to be honest, that's the only thing I've been really watching because it's been too hot to be indoors um there is a, a tv movie you know the mcgann tv movie there is a watch along tonight because we're recording this on a wednesday so it would have happened by the time the podcast goes out um and i'll probably join in that because although it's a tweet along um i'll probably put that on because i haven't watched it in ages and uh, it is one i i like i know it's got its faults tv movie but um i've always quite liked it uh, so I'm probably going to join in the tweet along for that tonight. I really, really want our good friend Liv from the Who Addicts to watch it because she's <laughs> she's only watched it once and yeah. she does she hates it. Mm -hmm. And I just get this feeling that she might even I don't I don't expect her to like do a total three sixty. I don't think she's going to ever love that one. But I feel like she might like it more on a second watch. 
Because I think the first time you watch something, sometimes if it just, you know, because it is American, I don't think she likes the fact it's very Americanized and that sort of thing. Right. But I think she might enjoy it more. So I'm desperate for her to watch it tonight, but she's refusing. Um, oh, no, <laughs> so, yeah. But I don't know, you like the TV movie as well, don't you? you I remember when we reviewed it, we both said it was um, flawed, but it had some really nice stuff going on in it. And yes, like McGann yeah. and all that sort of thing and, and Daphne and... Yes, of course. Yeah, we're we're fans of the uh, of the TV movie. It's uh, it's not Doctor Who's finest hour, let's be honest. But it's uh, certainly got some great stuff in there, and it's very timely for the watch along as well. Because, as Adam said, we're recording this on Wednesday, the twenty seventh, and the Doctor Who movie came out on this day back in nineteen ninety six. So it's a good day to uh, to review it. But I, I hope Liv does give it a watch. And happy birthday to the Who addicts, by the way. You've our listeners yeah. might have uh, heard us mention those guys a few times. A really, really good, really, really good uh, Doctor Who YouTube um, channel, and uh, the seven years, I th- yeah, seven years they've been rocking and rolling for. So, seven years. Uh, all, as we mentioned, birthdays. We all say happy birthday to our very long uh, fan of the show, Sammy Satine. It's her birthday uh, today as we record, so we'll have already been and gone by Sammy. the time this podcast yeah. goes. But happy birthday, Sammy! Um, yes. I hope you managed to do something Doctor Who related. <laughs> um, so yeah, so there's the TV movie tonight. Um, they are doing, I think Emily Cook's doing a final tweet along this Friday. So the day this goes out for, it's a double whammy. What is it? New Earth and Gridlock, I think. That's the penultimate one. There's one after that. Yeah. Oh, is there one after? What's the one after? Oh well, yeah, we don't know it? yet. You oh, haven't announced it yet. Yeah. So, so I must admit there, there's two stories that I'm not, I mean, especially New Earth. I've never been a fan of that one. Um, uh, and gridlock yes. if i'm in the mood for it a lot of people love gridlock don't they i think russell said it's his favorite story he's ever wrote but um i have to be in the mood for gridlock i'm not one of the, i don't love it but i don't ha- but I certainly don't hate it i do like it but I, I don't know it's not one i gravitate towards often gridlock no it's not to, i mean new earth uh, i know that we've reviewed that uh new earth it's not uh it's not the best, is it, New Earth? Let's be honest. Is no, that, is I that, don't, um, really, don't think it's dated very well at all, New Earth. Yeah. Is that episode one of, of Tenants? Tenant. Tenants mm. run, New Earth, yeah. Uh, yeah, we did that way back, episode 45. And then Gridlock. Uh, we've done that as well. Why has that got an asterisk to it? That's because we've done... Oh, okay, yeah. I did it a review and then we did it together afterwards, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, but that's on Saturday, dude. So Saturday, the 30th of May. Uh, oh, is it Saturday? Okay, yeah. Yeah, New Earth at 7, Gridlock at 8. And Russell T. Davis is on Twitter for those. I was going to say, even though I'm not a particular fan of those episodes, I think um, having Russell involved, uh, and I think he's he's done something else, isn't he? Hasn't he done something special yeah. to release after it, which is always worth um, mm-hmm. tuning in for, because his little treats that he's given us in lockdown have been amazing haven't they like the uh, sarah jane thing that ending that he gave us and what was the other thing he did I don't know, something else that was really good <laughs> oh the last page that was uh, about the time war and stuff like that so we've had some real good nuggets from russell we have uh, since yeah. lockdown so yeah it'd be worth tuning into that one i think yeah i think so yeah it'd be good yeah uh, uh, apart from that any other thing i've done uh, is uh, <laughs> something i've been wanting to do for ages so all my lovely dot two target books were in this box in the bedroom just in a box and it was really bugging me because you know i love the covers to these books and i just wanted to set them free i wanted them on a shelf but i just didn't have anywhere to put them anyway I f- finally you know with all this spare time on my hands i was like 
trying to find a place and I managed to I thought if I move this stuff from this shelf and you know what you do you just move so basically what I've done is I've put all my target books on a shelf in the front room and I've moved all the stuff that was on the shelf into the box <laughs> oh, <laughs> just God. around but it's good to have a change and um yeah I'm trying to even think what rubbish was even on that shelf but it just I don't know something about having my target books finally on a shelf mate it's it's just very satisfying I know it's very sad but it's just I sit in the front room and I just keep looking up at them and they've all gone a bit brown and you know dusty and whatever over the years but I just love the Doctor Who target books and I sit there and I just go through the looking at the covers and especially the 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 uh William Hartnell one, the first Doctor ones, they have little drawings inside, which they seem to drop after a while. Mm. But I love that. I love that you can sort of go 30 pages and suddenly a, a random picture or, you know, illustration will pop up. Um, so, yeah, so that's the only other thing I've done, really, not too related. <laughs> oh, I love the old Target books. Oh, they're really brilliant, do. I'll tell you. Yeah. I thought I had more. I'm thinking, that I'm, I reckon I've got another box somewhere. I'm sure I've got more than than I found, but, yeah. So that's that's been me. What what about you, bud? What have you been up to? Uh, yeah, nothing much, bud. Since we have last, have you got any spoke. target books? Yeah, I've got about a dozen. Yeah, of those. You remember yeah. your charity shop find? Remember when you found that shop? Yeah, yeah, that was cool. I think I bought about four or five in one go there, and I've picked up a couple here and there when I've been in uh, various shops and stuff. Um, I've read most of them as well, which is good. It's not been the usual. Oh, I buy that book because it looks good and then sits on the shelf. I've actually <laughs> read uh, most of them. Uh, there was one that I haven't read. I think it was one of the re-releases. Uh, was it C- City of Death? James Goss. Yeah, I think that one I've got to read. And there's another, I think there's another one or two that I picked up at the end of last year that I need to read as well. But yeah, sucker for the old Target books, dude. Love them. Mm-hmm. Just the covers. Beautiful. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I haven't really done much, dude. I've only watched uh, The Ultimate Foe and stuff. Did you get a chance to watch any of the extras on the Armour Folk? Because that was one thing I made sure I did for this one, because I know that there was so much going on behind the scenes, <clears throat> so many things that uh, contributed to the, <laughs> the end of this trial of a Time Lord season that I made sure I watched a couple of docs. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, so I didn't watch all of them. I have watched a couple. So I watched the location uh, footage stuff that was quite nice. Yeah. Um, there's also um, really funny, I didn't realise they ever did this, but... Uh, uh, back in the day, you remember when French and Saunders, they used to be a really good sort of double act. They haven't done yes. anything for a few years, but they did this really funny uh, kind of spoof of it uh, where they filmed in the same set as the trial room and stuff. So that was really funny. Yeah. Uh, it's only about 10 minutes, 15 minutes long, but not even that. And uh, and that's really cool. Uh, I watched the Matthew Sweet interview. So in conversation with um, Bonnie Langford. Oh, that's brilliant. That's really cool. She's lovely in that. She's really She lovely. is so lovely, yeah. actually. She's one of the nicest people from who I've ever met in terms of just genuine warmth and friendliness, Bonnie. She's absolutely lovely. Mm. Yeah, she's really nice. And uh, and the other thing was um, uh, just this really uh, short... Like, t- there was a program that used to be on BBC Two called Tomorrow's World. I think it was BBC Two. Oh, wow. Yeah, I remember that. Might even still be on. Mm. No, maybe not. Mm. I don't know. Sure. Uh, and there was a Christmas uh, special that went out and um, it was like a Christmas quiz sort of variant of it. And uh, Colin Baker was on that. And that was the final time he ever appeared in costume in his Doctor Who outfit on TV. A lot of people think it's the last bit in the show. Mm. Uh, but it's not. He went on Tomorrow's World a little while afterwards in his 
in his costume, which is surprising, really, considering how he was treated, which we'll get on to. But yeah, yeah. Uh, the only ones I've got to watch left, which I really want to, I mean, there's a quite a few, but there's a few that I really need to watch. So I haven't watched the Behind the Sofa yet. Uh, and I haven't watched the um, the cool making of that they put together for it. So I, I really, those two. really recommend the making of it. It's brilliant. Um, it's just fascinating. Yeah. Uh, Pip and Jane are, are on it being interviewed. Oh, I just love those two together, you know. They just remind me of my, like uh, sort of a, a nan and, and gramp. I don't know. They're just something very, very natural about them. I like them. And Eric Sayward's on there just being all Eric Saywardy and saying, <laughs> getting how he got in a strop and i'll talk about all the some of the behind the scenes stuff when we get to review but it's uh it's fascinating i think there's something on there called trials and tribulations as well or something yes there which is, talks yeah. about collins pretty much his whole era of you know how it was going to start what happened in between the hiatus and why it was cancelled and brought back and that's a great documentary as well yeah so they, those i've got to watch yeah, they're yeah, brilliant just really not, really good yeah but i wanted to watch them all together if that makes sense i wanted to have like a a chunk of time where because i think those three things not so much behind the sofa but the making of and trials and tribulations and stuff they really get into the the meat of the, of the situation don't they so i want to save yes. them to watch together yeah yeah no they definitely do you're going to really enjoy those but uh yeah they really give you a good insight into wow the nightmare <laughs> behind the scenes <laughs> yeah antics going on yeah yes I think I might have watched something though, because I remember watching the special features on the DVDs when they when I picked those up years back. Is, is yeah. it a different making of, or is it the same? No, no, it's the same. Oh, it's I've the seen same. it then. I've seen it. Yeah, because oh. I remember it from the original DVD. Oh, release. right, it's the same. Right. Yeah. Yes, I've seen that then. Yeah, mm. I'll watch it again though, as you do. As you do, yes. Yeah, well worth watching again. Yes. Uh, right. Before we crack on with the rest of the show, we have no news this week. By the way, it's just merch. Still, as expected, very light on the old news. But we have got um, a very big finish orientated mm, yeah. news to go through. And then we're on to our review of the final part, Trial of a Time Lord, The Ultimate Foe. But before we get cracking with that, remember to subscribe to our show on whatever podcast app you listen to podcasts on. Or just head over to bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. You can listen to all of the previous shows on there. And there are links to go off to all of those podcast apps and networks we're on the socials as well instagram twitter and facebook again links on the website or just do a search for us there you'll find us on there we chat doctor who each week so come and jump on there we have a discord server as well uh, i spent a bit of time on there with some people this morning hanging out talking about these tweet tweet alongs and watch alongs and what story we think is going to be the last one and all that stuff and people have been posting pictures of their collections and stuff on there it's very cool very cool place to come and hang out so there's a link on the website for the Discord server, which is free. And um, if you like what we do here, just lastly, uh, if you've got a minute and you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever, that would be awesome because that helps us out lots and lots. Interesting little thing that I had through from one of our listeners, Dan Hickey. Before we get cracking to anyone that's after the season 19 box set. So uh, Dan got in contact to say that he ordered the season 19 box set uh, when it was released but it never turned up and uh, there were some problems with stock and he ordered it elsewhere uh, anyway he got um, that delivered and then a couple of months later uh, his original copy that he ordered turned up as well so now he's got two copies and he's asking on recommendations where to sell it to um, uh, he's being very very genuine about this a lot of people when they pick up these 
Blu-ray box sets. They pick them up either intentionally to sell for a lot more later or whatever. He's not doing that. He's basically saying, look, I want it to go to a to a nice home, a proper a Doctor Who fan, uh, especially to those people that have tr- are trying to build their collection of Blu-ray sets and they maybe didn't get this one for some reason or whatever. And uh, and he's only asking for the original price for it as well. He's not marking it up. He's not putting it on eBay for silly money. So if any of our listeners um, want it, I'm I'm not going to speak for Dan about in terms of where he, he can deliver it or anything like that. So I'm just going to pass your details on if you're, you're after this from Dan. So if you want the season 19 box set, uh, Dan is selling this. It's brand new. He doesn't want any more extra money for it. So if you want it, just get in contact with us here. Send us a tweet or send us a message on Facebook or email. And if you're after it, I will pass your details on to Dan and he can get in touch and you guys can can work that out. But yes, uh, Dan is selling the uh, Season 19 box set. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of cool if you're looking to uh, either start your collection, if this is going to be a good one, if you thought, hmm, I want to start these Blu-ray box sets, but you can't get them at the moment. Or like I said, if this is a gap in your in your collection. So yeah, hit us up if you want that from Dan. Right, moving on. Let's do some merch. Let's see what old Grumpy's got. Yeah, get him in. Wheel him in. Merch corner. Merch corner. Merch corner. It's a bit rubbish, but it's pretty. It's very pretty. Well, there you are, young man. What do you think of that now, eh? A Viking helmet. I know, it's on the telly. It's everywhere. I don't know whether to be impressed or disgusted. I work in a shop now, here to help. Right, uh, big finish. We've got loads of big finish. Well, not loads, but some big, big stories to cover from those guys. They've dropped a couple of bombs they over really the past have, yeah. week. <laughs> yeah, so the first thing is that for the next year and a half, they're going to run with the normal schedule that they've been, uh, that they have done for years now, which is the Doctor Who, what's known as the Doctor Who monthly range. But from January 2022, they're going to stop that and they're going to relaunch the schedule with um, uh, dedicated series ranges for each doctor instead of just alternating between doctors as they go through the month by month releases. So they are, um, from what it sounds like, they've had loads of feedback, it seems, over the past however many months or years that, um, that, a lot of listeners find it quite difficult to jump into Big Finish. I mean, we get this question an awful lot. Yeah. So ever since we've been doing the podcast, pretty much, we always get tweets or Facebook messages or um, even recently on the Discord server, people have said, I- I've, I've not listened to Big Finish before or I've not listened to it for a, for a year or so, whatever. I have no idea where to jump in. Where do I, Where do I start? Do I start on this number in the monthly range? Do I get number, I don't know, 125 and go from there or do i pick up one of the box sets from the doctors whatever nobody really it's quite difficult to say i mean there's there's the odd story that you can say yeah pick up that one it's a belter or that one or that box set but if someone says i want to start on the monthly range where do i start with that you know it's a bit of a tricky question so uh, i think they've with a view to to sort of address that they're just going to do away with you know, the, the monthly thing and, and the doctors and the, all they're going to do now is just going to say, right, they're just going to say, this is the, I don't know, this is the seventh doctor adventures and it's going to be, um, 
a dedicated range for that doctor and that might run alongside a dedicated range for another doctor and this doctor so you don't get this kind of intertwining between doctors in each month which is pretty cool so there's some blurb on this that they've put out um so for more than two decades now uh, big finish has been producing new doctor who audio adventures uh starring actors who originated in the role so tom peter colin baker mccoy mcgann davison and john hurt in recent years many new ranges have been introduced to the release schedule incorporating all of the Doctor's eras from 63 to 2017. As the company looks to the future, a revised schedule will see a number of new range additions. So one of the senior producers, uh, David Richardson, said, there are so many exciting new directions ahead. Where did the first Doctor and Dodo go after leaving the planet of the Savages? It's <laughs> a very good question. Yeah. Yep. What happened to the second Doctor after the War Games? Oh, we're going there, are they? We are all going right. there, yep. Well, maybe. What new adventures await the third Doctor and Sarah Jane Smith? What happened to the seventh Doctor's last day? The adventures are only just beginning. They love filling those gaps, don't they? They do. (laughs) And then the chairman of Big Finish, Jason Hay Ellery, said, uh, one comment we hear more often from new listeners is that they find it hard to know where to begin with our back catalogue of Doctor Who adventures. This change to our release schedule will make it easier for people to start with a range for each Doctor, there will be a natural stepping-on point for fans, mm, which is very good. cool. And then old Nick Briggs, the uh, <laughs> creative director, old Nick, says, as well as making our ranges much less confusing for big Finnish beginners, these changes will allow us more exciting possibilities and create freedom by freeing the 5th, 6th and 7th Doctors from the constrictions of the monthly adventure schedule and giving them their own distinct ranges, we will be able to introduce more surprising cast combinations, different story length, and more story arcs. Which is very cool. Yeah. yeah. That does make sense, doesn't it? It does. I must admit, I think um, I think this is a good, good step forward for them. I mean, they've been going for quite a while now. Um, it's good to freshen things up. So I, I think this is a, a definite step in a, in a good, in a good direction. I think. I mean, I, I they, their output is incredible. I, you know, I buy a lot of Big Finish, but I'm finding it quite hard to keep up with all the different ranges. And I think, um, yeah, I think it's good to sort of hopefully they'll be simplifying things. Literally yesterday, um, somebody who I, who I chat to on a regular basis, Doctor Who fan, uh, messaged me and asked, you know, oh, I, I, I don't really know much Big Finish. Can you recommend some? <laughs> you know, it is a question you get asked all the time. And it's sometimes hard to answer because there are certain ones that spring to mind, you know, Chimes of Midnight, Dalek and, you know, stuff like that. But a lot of them do have an arc and I it, do struggle sometimes to think, you know, because oh, I was going to say, oh, Dark Eyes is good. And I thought, oh, no, because you need to really, you need to listen to some of the earlier Eighth Doctor before you do that. And, you know, so it's, sometimes it is hard to just jump in there. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's a, a good move. I think it's the right move for them at this point. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, uh, next in the big finish news, um, s- something very cool coming out in January, 2021. Uh, so this is to mark the 50th anniversary of the first appearance of the master with a brilliant sounding box set called masterful. Um, <laughs> it's just got, it's got, so many doctors on the front of this cover it's a, it's amazing sims well actually it depends which you go for so there's going to be a limited edition cd set which is going to be 44.99 and that's got derek jacoby uh, sorry that's got roger delgado very prominently 
on the front. Uh, but if you go for the standard edition, he's strangely missing, and you've got Sim taking centre stage. But Derek Jacobi is on there. Miss is on there. Uh, Mark Gatiss is on there. Eric Roberts. Um, you've got Anthony Ainley all on the cover. Obviously, Anthony Ainley won't be involved, sadly, because he's no longer with us. So I don't know whether they're going to revoice them or what they're going to do. But um, just to give you a bit of blurb, it says... The master's finally done it. He's won. He summons his other selves to celebrate, uh, to a celebration of his ultimate victory, and they come from across time and dimensions. But he's forgotten to invite someone, and Mrs. Not Happy. This sounds great already, doesn't it? <laughs> has the master really conquered the universe, or has something more awful been unleashed, something that even the master cannot stop? Missy is determined to reveal the truth because one fact about the master's existence never changes. No one can trust the master, not even the master. So this, this Ooh, does sound like a really yeah. fun concept. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be good. So you, I know it seems a long way off, January 2021, but I think um, for me it's got to be the limited edition, I think. Uh, yeah. It's a bit pricey, but you do get a bit of extra content. So in the limited one, assuming it'll come in their sort of book size set, I don't know, it's limited so. to 3,000 copies. Mm-hmm. Um, you get discs one to three on the masterful story itself. Disc four is a behind the scenes disc. Then disc five, you've got some short trips uh, featuring the master, obviously. And discs six to eight, you're getting Doctor Who, Terror of the Master by Trevin Baxdale, a brand new narrated audiobook featuring the third Doctor, the Master and Unit. So that's all on the limited version. And I'm guessing the standard will just be the three CDs of the story itself, I would imagine. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that sounds good, though. That third Doctor, Master and Unit story. It does. I mean, mm. I think, I know it's a bit pricey, 45 quid, um, but I think it's got to be the limited for me. I think this, yeah, just to get the special packaging and the extra content and stuff. I, I must admit, with Big Finish, I don't know about you, but because they take the money the day that you order it, I often hold off and order it closer to the release date. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes I get a bit edgy when they're limited editions. I think, oh, I want to make sure I get it. Um, so, yeah, I'm not quite sure when I'll order this, but uh, probably won't leave it that late. But, yes, I think yes. the limited one for me. Yes. Yeah. Well, Eric it's, Roberts, eh? he's back. It's great, it's great to have all these people together, isn't it? Sim, yeah. John Sim, obviously. That uh, looks good. Looks Alex good. McQueen, mustn't forget him. He's a great master, actually. Alex McQueen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, he's good. Mark Gattis is in this as well for a bit. Yes, right. And there's also a young chap at the front there. I don't know who he is, but I'm guessing he's playing like a young master. And he's got this, what's that outfit from? It looks really familiar. Yeah, isn't it from the War Games, you know, at the end of? Yes, I think it is. So the Time Lords are wearing that at the end of the War Games, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, It, it, it just looks really familiar mm. and I can't quite place it. That's the first uh, Jeffrey, thing, yeah. Sorry, mate. It's just the first thing that came into my head, yeah. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. So, yeah, Jeffrey Beavers is, is what I was going to say. is obviously on there as the crispy master as well. Um, <laughs> have I missed anyone? No, I think we've got it. So, Michelle Gomez, obviously. Yeah, it doesn't say who's going to be playing Anthony Ainley. I, what do you reckon they'll do? Will they recast him or will they perhaps take some audio snippets that they've like they've done before? be interesting to see what they do with that. Yeah, hard to say, mate. Great artwork again. Don't know who did it, but great artwork. Yeah, it doesn't say on this one. Normally on the production credits it tells you, but they haven't put it on there yet. No. So yes, masterful out January twenty twenty one. Big finish. We love stories. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and also, um, speaking of the master, there's a new 
uh, audio story from Big Finish starring Eric Roberts as the master. Oh, yes. Which, which is coming uh, a bit sooner. So this is coming. Oh, no. <laughs> Crikey. Coming a bit later. Sorry. So January 2021 is Masterful, the big multi-master story. And then there's a story just called Master! Ex- exclamation mark, which is coming out in March 2021. And that stars Eric Roberts with Chase Masterton. And the story for this one is Abandoned in the Vortex. The Master's lost incarnation is about to be thrown a lifeline. Earth rebuilds in the aftermath of invasion and power rests with those who innovate. Genius Leela Krieg makes a deal with the devil to see her dreams fulfilled. As the master returns, there are those, like Vienna Salvatore, who wish to hunt him and those upon his wishes, vengeance himself. And this is a three-parter. The first one's called uh, Falstian or Falstein uh, by Robert Valentine. Number two is called Prey by Robert Whitlock. And the third one is called Vengeance by Matt Fitton. So awesome to see Eric Roberts, dude. And this ties into what we were saying earlier about the TV movie, in that it's not Doctor Who's finest hour, and Eric Roberts is not the the best master you've seen mm. by a long shot. However, what is often the case with things that you see in Doctor Who televised that at the time, or when you rewatch them, you think mm, that wasn't the best, was it? However, Big Finish have got a really good knack of making them just sound awesome in, in their audio adventures. We've seen it many, even with Doctors themselves. Colin Baker, for example, is awesome uh, on Big Finish, even though he's not you know, often referred to as one of the best Doctors out of the classic era. Uh, on Big Finish, he's so good. So Big Finish have got a really good way of, of making those guys just come to life in a, in a way that you wouldn't, you wouldn't think was possible based on their TV performance. So... Uh, yeah, Eric Roberts back in the mix as the master. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I think that's great, actually. And I absolutely totally agree with you there. I think it'll be very interesting to hear him, uh, his take on the master on, on audio. And like Big Finish do have a great knack of looking at what was good and bad about something mm-hmm. and taking all the good stuff and, and enhancing it. So, yeah, I'd definitely be intrigued to hear, hear uh, some more from Eric Roberts as the master. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Yes. And then uh, lastly, last bit of news for Big Finish. <laughs> this is quite something, isn't it? This is quite something, yeah. So coming, when's this one coming? Let me get this right this time. Coming this year, this August, we have a brand new story, uh, a multi-doctor story starring David Tennant and Tom Baker together in their own story. This is called Doctor Who out of time number one i'm assuming there's going to be more it doesn't say it on the front cover but on the big finish website it's uh doctor who out of time one i'm assuming story one or volume one whatever mm-hmm. but uh yeah this is awesome dude so the the story for this one is the cathedral of contemplation is an enigma mm-hmm. existing outside of time it turns through history opening its doors across the universe to offer solace to those in need occasionally the doctor drops in when he's avoiding his destiny. It's an ideal place to get some perspective. Only he's already there several lives earlier. So when dimension barriers break down, his past and present collide. And when the Daleks invade and commander and commandeer the cathedral, two doctors must unite to stop them or face extermination twice over. <laughs> so this sounds really cool. And I tell you, dude, there was a, I saw this on 
I think I saw this early this morning on Twitter. Uh, the the guy that did the cover art for it, Simon Holub, he put this on his Twitter account and it blew up instantly. And dude, this okay. is one of the best covers that I've seen in, well, not in ages, but this is one of the best covers I've seen in a, in a little while for Big Finish. It just looks stunning. It's it, This is a pre-order, dude, right? For sure. Ab- absolutely. <clears throat> yeah, it's stunning, isn't it? I, li- I like the cover as well. Just Tom over, uh, you know, ten shoulder like that, and the Daleks and Tardis and everything. And, and I think this is one. I know you're not a fan of the logo. I think even the logo works on this, doesn't it? Um, it, does. it just looks yeah. great. Yeah. No, it yeah. does. Has for he sure. put has he put a clean version of this on his? Uh, I'll have to check it out. What's his name? He has. Yeah, Simon Holub. I'm going to look now. I'm pretty sure I follow him. Let's have a look. Yeah, I think he has put a clean version. Um, uh, so I like one, to use it as my screensaver. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one thing that's interesting, though, and uh, I, I picked this up pretty much straight away because uh, I, I haven't mentioned this in a while, but a few, well, last month, I think, I tweeted out that I was doing some Doctor Who artwork that was going to be put out as screensavers, and it might go out as prints as well for people to buy. So I've been doing some research, getting some some high res, well, some high-ish res uh, images of each doctor. And because I was doing that with Capaldi last week, as soon as I saw this cover, uh, it's it's been done so well, but the, the, the left arm of Tom Baker is actually Peter Capaldi's. Yeah, someone else said that. I didn't, yeah. That's tra- and the only bizarre, way, yeah, the only way that I, I clocked it is because he's left the white, in in the photo shoot for Capaldi, he's wearing a white double cuff shirt, and yeah. for some reason that just looked instantly uh, recognisable to me because I was cutting that cutting Peter Capaldi out of his background last week, and I remember tracing around that bit of the sleeve and stuff. So it's it's awesomely done. It, it's such a lovely cover, and uh, yeah, it just looks like action packed as well. Like the Daleks are back. And it's cool that you see each Doctor's TARDIS in the background as well. It's very, very, I can't wait for this, dude. This is going to be awesome. I was going to say, it's funny you say that as well about the hand, because it's not the first time the fourth Doctor's had someone else's hands put on him on a cover art, because um, mm-hmm. one of the really old Doctor Who annuals, um, <laughs> it's got it's got Tom, but then the two hands at the front are, are Pertwee's. Uh, so I don't know. I can't. I don't even know why they did that. So yeah, um, it is a great cover. I, I mean, to to get those two doctors together as well, um, I can just imagine they're really going to bounce off each other. I mean, I assume they didn't record in the same studio. I don't know. Big Finish is so good at putting these together, you won't be able to tell. But yeah, um, yeah it's a definite pre-order. And I'm th- I think at the minute this is. Um, there's three stories available. You can order a bundle of three stories. So I don't know what the other two are going to be, um, whether that's going to be two more Doctors, different Doctors paired together or whatever, um, or whether this will be a series that runs and runs. Who knows? But, um, yeah, it's a definite pre-order. I'm so glad it's coming out this year as well because a lot of the stuff we've talked about isn't coming out till next year and it feels so far off. And when you get a release like this, you just want it right now. <laughs> so yep, um, yep. I'm glad that's coming out in August. Yeah, really looking forward to this. It looks awesome, doesn't it? Yeah, It does. Yeah, it really does. I just can't get over the cover. The cover's <laughs> just beautiful. It's one of the it's one of my fave covers of recent months, I think, from Big Finish. Yeah. I um yeah. I've just tried to Google that chat, but um unfortunately the only one that came up was Simon Cowell. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to find I'll I'll have a look on your Twitter feed. I'll, I'll find the artist um so that I can can follow him because uh, yeah I need a new screensaver. I'm trying to find that annual where Tom was. 
where it was Tom's body and Pertwee's hands. Uh, which, what year was it? Ah, oh, can't find it. If I, yeah. Oh, there you go. 1979. 79, was it? Yeah, because he's got his, yeah, so anybody's got the 1979 that you'll go and have a look. Tom's body, Pertwee's hands. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, um, of course, yeah, that's where, is that the one where it's got, you can see like the ruffle kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, you can still see his... the ruffled shirts. I think he's wearing a ring as well, Pertwee's ring, and, yeah. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think I was trying to figure out what was at the bottom. I think I'm remembering the right cover. I think it's got some characters at the bottom. I think Tom's at the bottom. And it's all kind of like a grey, bluey effect at the bottom, I think. And I was trying to figure uh, out who was at the bottom with him. I could I be mean, wrong. It could be the wrong year. It's a but, white cover. I can't remember what else is on it, to be honest. Yeah, I think so. But yeah, you're right. It's um, it's Bertwee's sleeves, I think. Isn't it? Yeah. yeah, definitely. Crikey. <laughs> What's wrong with Tom's hands? Why can't we? Why does he always have to have someone else? No, I get it. It's all about composition, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there we go. Plenty of big finish stuff happening. And fair play to those guys as well, the guys in charge. You know, in these in these times where they can't get everybody in the studio and they can't function as normal, like you know most other companies, they've got to have their finger on on the pulse and start thinking of the future and stuff. If they just kind of trundle along as they are, they're going to get left behind with what's going on in the world. So it's really great that they're just you know thinking about what's happening now, but also a year, two years down the line and in the future. So. Very, very cool. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Right, yo, that's all big finished stuff and the news and merch. It's time for our review. It's time. Hmm. What have we got? So, yes, it's time to wrap up this trial of a Time Lord season that Gary's been enjoying so much uh, with the final story, which is a two-parter this time called The Ultimate Foe. By order of the High Council... This is an impartial inquiry into the behaviour of the accused person, known as the Doctor, who is charged that he, on divers occasions, has been guilty of conduct unbecoming a Time Lord. He is also charged with, on divers occasions, transgressing the First Law. It is my unpleasant task, Madam Inquisitor, to prove to the inquiry that the Doctor is an incorrigible meddler in the affairs of other peoples and planets. There's something else going on here. I was taken out of time for another reason. And I have every intention of finding out what it is. In my travelings throughout the universe, I have battled against evil. Against power-mad conspirators. I should have stayed here. The oldest civilization. Decadent, degenerate, and rotten to the core. Power my conspirators, Daleks, Sontarans, Cybermen. They're still in the nursery compared to us. Ten million years of absolute power. That's what it takes to be really corrupt. I have a feeling I am being manipulated. That the evidence is being distorted. Preposterous. Absolutely preposterous. Something's going wrong here. I can sense it. The Valiard overestimates his own cleverness. Like all... Megalomaniacs, he is consumed with his own vanity. Well, I never thought I'd welcome the sight of you. There's nothing you can do to prevent the catharsis of spurious morality. I have control of the media. Protect me! 
What a trailer. <laughs> what a trailer indeed. That was our, our buddy Reese again. I thought it was, yeah. Yeah, I'm clocking up the solicitor's bills every week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what a trailer. Reese, I, I remember... Gallifrey 97. Yeah, I was going to say, um, Reese's channel, Gallif yeah, uh, Gallif is Gallifrey? Gallifrey 97, uh, over on YouTube. Go and check out his YouTube channel. So many good trailers, and they often get Reese to do. So when we have these uh, screenings at the BFI in London, they quite often get Reese to do a trailer for them, and they are so good. They really are so good. Very talented guy. So I, I just yeah, sorry, I've got to create Gallifrey Forever ninety seven. I, I think like, yeah, that's his full YouTube. There you go. Go and check him out. He's awesome. Gallifrey Forever ninety seven. Go and check it out. So thank you very much, Reese. Again, I didn't ask you. Just assumed <laughs> that you'd be you'd be all right with it. Another scrap of the car park on its way. Yeah, there we go. I'll get <laughs> a dig up the ribs next time we're, when this all gets lifted and we're at a convention. <laughs> you'll just bowl, yeah. Yeah, he'll just walk past. <laughs> just walk past me and just <laughs> a quick shot across the face. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Anyways, thank you very much, Reese. Right, the ultimate foe, uh, as Adam said. A cheeky little two-parter, this one, in the midst of a few four-parters. Mm -hmm. And this was broadcast originally from the 29th of November to the 6th of December, 1986. It was directed by Chris Clough and was written initially with some work by Robert Holmes, but ultimately finished up and done by Pip and Jane Baker. Mm -hmm. Overseen by uh, the Squabbling Kids, Eric Sayward and John Nathan Turner. Yeah, this is the one that broke the, yeah. the camel's back. I'm in no mood. <laughs> so, yeah, the, and the synopsis for this one is, so, charged with genocide by the treacherous Vale Yard, uh, the Doctor gets some help now from uh, from uh, Glitz. Is it Blitz or Glitz? Blitz. Glitz. Glitz. <laughs> from Glitz and Mel to try and... Uh, get the ruling overturned in his favour and uh, and for the Doctor to try and reveal the veil, the veil yard as the wrongdoer that we know who he is and some uh, an unlikely dude turns up to offer a bit of help initially anyway. So the Master turns up and reveals to all that the Matrix has actually been compromised and uh, we get to find out who the veil yard is as well, which is interesting. Yeah, shocker. Yes, and uh, so the Valyard flees into the Matrix where it all gets a bit weird and uh, and the Doctor, uh, well, we think the Doctor defeats the Valyard and and uh, the, the Time Lords, especially the Inquisitor, old Oxo lady, Linda. She actually, <laughs> turns out, yeah, she actually turns out to be very nice to the Doctor in the end. Very yeah. smiley and happy and the Doctor's mm -hmm. on his way and... Uh, yeah, the ultimate foe, and uh, there's lots of it's. When I was when I was watching a couple of the extras on this afterwards last night and reading up on it and stuff for some research, I actually found myself a bit down in the dumps afterwards, mate. Did you? Yeah, just because there's lots of mainly around Colin, really, in the way he was treated, and mm. and uh, just there's lots of finals and lasts in this one because we are as you get up to the end of of series twenty three. 
there is, you know, we're coming to the end of the classic era pretty much, aren't we? We're coming to the sort of the latter stages of, of classic Doctor Who, really. So, yeah. and as a result of that, not just Colin, but there's lots of last and finals, which we'll come on to. But anyways, uh, the ultimate foe, mate. What, what's your take on this one? Yeah, so um, I'm pleased to say, because I have found, a bit like yourself, um, although I've enjoyed the trial of time a, a little bit more than you, I have found it a bit hard going, really. Um, but this is, I think, considering all the stuff that was going on behind the scenes, I think actually this is quite a good conclusion to it. It's certainly got some great stuff going in there. Um I preferred part one. I, I really did. Like when I put this on yesterday, I really enjoyed part one. I thought, wow, this is, um, everything's ramping up really well. Cause the, the first sort of 10 minutes are all in the courtroom scene, but it didn't feel boring or stilted. There was actually stuff, important stuff being revealed and the master popping up. Um, amazingly, I, you know, I, this is probably the third or fourth time I've seen this. I'd completely forgotten he was in it. So he pops up on the screen and starts laughing. I thought, oh, yes, the master's in it, isn't he? I forgot about that. Because um, I always think of the Vale Yard, you know, I always think of the scenes on the beach with the Vale Yard when I think of this story. So, yeah, the master popping up was great. Um, I think there was a lot of fun there as well because he's apparently been watching the whole trial and just loving every minute and he's full of relish for the fact that everything's going wrong and it really made me smile i just thought oh, this is just great to think that the master's been sat back laughing at them all and you know so that was great and then there's re the reveal of the fairy yard that he's this strange in-between incarnation of the doctor which is a massive reveal but it's dealt with quite subtly um it's really, and I kept thinking, God, if that was done today, that would be such a fandom would be going crackers, wouldn't they? Mm -hmm. um, you know, it was, it's such a big revelation, and yet I, I kind of like the subtlety of the way it's just <laughs> revealed, and they just get on with it. It's, uh, you know, I think it's really nicely done. So yeah, loved part one, and I, and I thought part two was a, a good conclusion. Really, it does feel a little bit rushed. Um, just to very briefly go into some of the behind the scenes so basically um you've got eric saywood a script editor who's, who's not particularly happy at this point him and john nathan turner aren't getting on particularly well the producer robert holmes bless him has written part 13 and is supposed to write the conclusion part 14 sadly died before he could complete it so eric saywood says well i'll finish it off but i want i want it to end with the doctor and either the mask or the valley yard falling into a vortex and that will be the cliffhanger ending. JNT's like having none of it. <laughs> He's like, no, no, we're not ending it like that. No. So they have a massive falling out. I think all the tensions that have been building came to the boil. Eric storms off. He leaves. He's, he's had enough. <laughs> so then John Nathan Turner's left with <laughs> literally no time at all to try and get the final part of this trial written and wrapped up. And he's like, who can I... Who can I rely on? Who's who's reliable that can deliver a script promptly? Phones up Pip and Jane Baker, says, um, I need you to write the end of this trial season. But because of legal matters, um, I've fallen out of Eric. I can't tell you anything about what he was going to do in the script. I can't really tell you anything about the story. So can you just kind of make it up? Um, and I'll send you some photographs. And you just have to sort of guess the story from those. And he gave them three days to, to, to deliver it from start to finish. So say what you like about Pip and Jane Baker, but they delivered, apparently they just worked nonstop. 
to get this done. In three days, they just delivered um, the script for part 14. The end of the trial managed to wrap it up, I think, really well, considering all of this stuff. They didn't really, yeah, didn't really get much to go on at all. So there is a lot going on behind the scenes. You've got Eric storming off. You've got Pip and Jane <laughs> given three days to write a script and it's got to be delivered. You've got poor old Robert Holmes passing away, an absolutely classic Doctor Who writer. Um, and I think... I think if you watched episode 13 and 14 together like I did yesterday, I don't think you'd even guess really that they're by a different writer. I think they flow quite well together. As I said, I did prefer part 13, but I thought part 14 was a good conclusion. It, it, yeah, it felt a little rushed. Apparently they had to cut 10 minutes of footage from it. Um, and even that they really struggled. So it should have been a 25 minute episode. John Nathan Turner had to go to the powers of B and say, look, we've cut 10 minutes from this to try and get it down in time, but I just can't cut any more. It's just, it's got to, it's got to overrun to half an hour, you know? Um, so you can sort of see that, you know, there was 10 minutes from this cut. Um, it's a shame really that they couldn't have just allowed it to be a sort of feature length, uh, episode, which they probably would do now, wouldn't they? They'd say it's the season final. We just, it's a bit longer. So yeah. So overall I enjoyed this. I thought, um, I thought there was lots going on. I love all the sort of weirdness of the Matrix world. It reminded me of the Deadly Assassin a bit. I thought Colin was giving a great performance. It makes me even sadder, really, that he wasn't given another season because he was, you know, after this, the BBC powers that be said that the show could only come back if they cast a new Doctor. And I feel like Colin was really just starting to settle. Mm -hmm. You know, he's got moments of charm. He's got moments of brashness. Um and he's really found his doctor and he's well on the way to becoming the doctor that he wanted to be, you know, his master plan of starting off tetchy and mellowing. It's all, you can see it's all going on. So, yeah, but yes, yeah, so I, I enjoyed this. So I'm, I'm glad it's a two parter. Don't think it could have sustained all of this for four. Um, but as a two part conclusion, I thought it was good. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Over to you. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I think. Um, Do you? Oh, if, good. Because, yeah, I wasn't sure what you were going to make of this. Yeah, if it was a four parter, I think that, that it would have gone completely the other way. Yeah. It would have been like, this is, you know, a terrible way to finish off the thing. But I think as as a two parter, it just provides like an interesting way of of doing that. And there's, there's not enough story otherwise. No, if, even if no. you take away all of the, the problems between J and T and falling out and. Pip and Jane, you know, even taking that stuff, even if it was all plain sailing, there still wasn't enough story at this point mm. to fill four episodes. I'm glad it's a two part. But overall, dude, I think this is one of the better entries in the in the whole four parts, uh, purely because it just feels like there's more energy going on in this one. That's right. There's a lot of energy in this story. Yes, definitely. Defo, yeah, and it feels mm. like uh, it feels like with the master popping up, that provides an extra flavor of, ooh, what's happening, what's happening, what's going on. And then the revelation of who the Veilyard is. And we found we find out exactly why he's trying to to, to convict the doctor because he's after his regenerations. And he's got this kind of it's kind of stuff that people have robbed over the years as well, where you've got uh you've got the Valyard, who we find out is the the darker side of the Doctor, isn't he? He's like the. Is that right to say he's yes, like? The, yeah, I was just going to say, isn't that a great idea? Is it a little bit like the War Doctors? I kept thinking as well. It's like this hidden. 
yeah. the, the sort of version yeah. of himself that he doesn't want to acknowledge, I thought, a little bit. Exactly that, yeah. So, mm. And because of that, he's like, well, I'm not going to be contained anymore by by you, like the big fluffy outward hero of the day that's always off doing whatever. You know, it's my turn now. I want your regens, you know, sort of thing. So that's all great stuff. And then because it's two parts, you have to have a, a quicker build-up and you have to have a quicker get to the, you know, the end point. So, yeah, and, and direction was good because they've got a bit more exciting things to play with. So we've got some location shots out at the beach and stuff and, and the yeah. sets are quite nice, like the old um 1800s london and and all that so the fantasy factory i mean that's great isn't yes it? creepy yeah. setting yeah and it is quite creepy there was a couple of scenes that i'll come on to but yeah really quite creepy for for a for a doctor who story um so yeah i i, I quite liked this one overall in, you know compared to the other parts Mm. I think it's quite cool. We've got a little bit of darkness, but I th- you're absolutely right as well with Colin as well. He's ap- he's just settling into his flow as the doctor, not just as a doctor, but as somebody who's working with a companion as well. So we had that with Perry, didn't we, in the mysterious planet where we think, yes, finally, there's all this, all, all these moments where he's been a complete dick to Perry and all this weirdness is gone. And they're finally getting on. And then we have Mel and they're getting on and everything's working great. And you just think to yourself, you know, it's it's a bit like, it's a similar thing when we get to the end of McCoy's era. You think, oh, they're, mm-hmm. they're starting to explore the darker side and the mysterious nature of the Doctor and what could have been. It's yeah. the same with Colin. It's like, what could have been if they'd have done it? It's just something that's terribly... Um, sort of thought-provoking throughout Doctor Who, really, because we think the same thing with Eccleston. What could have been if he'd have come back? Yeah. We'd have had like a second right. series of Eccleston. It seems to be the way, doesn't it? But mm. but yeah, I totally agree. Colin's completely in the in the, in the the zone with this and he has a lovely little speech to the time, to the High Council, and which is awesome. Gives me goosebumps, that. And, yeah, that's yeah. brilliant, that speech. The one that was in the trailer that you just played, mm. um, you know, the mad conspirators and I should have stayed at home. I mean, it, it's just delivered. It's iconic, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it just yeah. delivers it bang on. Um, yeah, and then the, watching the documentary about Colin's era and when you see clips of him sort of in his earlier stories and then compare them to later ones, you definitely can see a progression. But I think it's it's a nice progression that you don't, I didn't necessarily notice it at the time, if you know what I mean. I didn't sort of think to myself um, that he was particularly that different. But when you go back and watch, you know, his performance early on, and he's much more brash and snappy and, you know, he's still got that fire, but he's also got a real charm to his doctor at this point. So, yeah, and you're absolutely right to compare it to McCoy, really just sort of getting going and, ready to you could easily see him going on and doing another series after this um and the same with mccoy especially mccoy i think mm-hmm. um but uh yeah it's it, i know what you mean it's sad to think that, that this is you know he goes out with the, <laughs> the carrot juice carrot juice carrot juice this is his last line <laughs> isn't it but um but this yeah. i don't know when you see him and mel going off together i i quite like the sort of nice that relationship i don't know i think it could have i think it could have sustained another series i I say think because there is a chance that it could have been a bit annoying if Mel just kept on, you know, badgering the Doctor. I think that could have wore thin fairly quickly. But I, I do think there was another series in in that Doctor Companion relationship. I mean, we mentioned him a lot earlier. Big Finish have have done wonders with the character of Mel. They've done some great stories together on Big Finish. So technically, that has happened. 
Yeah, for sure. No, I, I, I absolutely think there was another, at least another series left mm. in, in Colin Baker. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. And I think there are, it, it will depend on the scripts as well. And also the, the number of episodes in the series, they weren't that long, really. It wouldn't have, it, would, it wouldn't have been like a 10 episode, 10 story, like, oh, crikey, here we go. We're only on episode six and Mel's doing me head in. If, if it was just maybe a six story series or something. They needed to tone down the screen screaming. That's for sure. If they oh, did yeah. an, another series, because her scream is um, ear shattering. Um, yeah, I, and I think going back to twenty five minutes was the right choice. I find the forty five minute format too long. Eric Sayward disagrees. I know he really likes the forty five minute thing, but um, I think they are right to go back to twenty five minutes. I think so. Yeah, because it j- yeah. is just enough. And I think that's the thing. Actually, when I think of Colin, when I think of the Sixth Doctor. It's not one of my favourite eras of the show. And I often sort of think it's down to Colin's do- not getting his doctor right. Having revisited his era, I now realise actually that that's not the case. I actually really have warmed towards Colin's doctor a lot, um, having rewatched these. And I realise that the thing I don't really connect with in his era particularly is mostly the stories. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the, the, just the budget and the, and the writing and um, especially the 45 minute format just doesn't work for me personally. Um, and a lot of the stories in this season, the trial of time of the season have been very average. You know, there hasn't the, the thing I like about this is it's, it's brimming with ideas. You know, you've got Mr. Popplewick, a great character, and he's using his quill pen as, you know, firing <laughs> them as uh, mm-hmm. arrows that, that explode and, you know, it's there's great stuff going on in here. It's, it's got a lot of ideas comparing it to like the Vervoid story, which just felt very, um, you know, uh, run of the mill. It, everything had been done. You know, it's a murder mystery. I mean, how many times has that been done before? I mean, at least it's mm-hmm. felt quite different and fresh. And I, I know it's the same writers, Pip and Jane Baker, uh, that did the Vervoid one. But that's what I mean. That it feels different uh, and uh, and better for it. Absolutely, dude. Absolutely better for it. Yeah. And it's interesting, the whole running time per episode, because there are stories with other doctors where it's really nice to have that 45 minute run, Uh, like especially in more modern who. Oh, yeah, it works. It definitely works in the modern era. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Yeah, I think it works in the modern era. Yeah. But I think for classic, especially when you've got four parters and six parters and stuff, if you were to have them as half an hour episodes or 25, then that does, yeah, you don't start to flag as much to when you get to the half an hour mark and you think, okay, this is this is cool. And then you think, oh, I've got 15, 20 minutes left to go. And then you do that repeat four times or six times. It does start to feel a bit like, that's why, you know, that very common comment that people get about watching classic Doctor Who is that it's a bit of a slog with some stories. mm uh, yeah, I think the 25 minutes is the way to go. Definitely. Yeah. What, what did you think about, so they do kind of, after Perry got her her rather savage exit <laughs> from the show, which she wanted, which uh, Nicola Bryan specifically said to J&T when they went for the you know meeting about her leaving, she said, you know, I want to be, I want to go out with a bang, which she certainly did. But then they kind of, they do a bit of uh, Clara from... Um, <laughs> The face the ray uh, from hell bent, don't they? They do a bit of a Clara with this, and they kind of wreck on it, and they say, "Oh, no, she didn't die. She she became a warrior queen and married Brian Blessed." I mean, <laughs> I, I just 
Nicola says it herself, I just don't buy that at all. Um, and I have real mixed feelings because I kind of didn't really want Perry to, as you know, I find her a bit annoying as a companion, but I didn't want it to have that terrible fate. But then I don't know which is fate is worse, to be honest. <laughs> but she would never have gone off and married Brian, Brian Blessed, would she? Perry? Well, yeah, that is a weird one. I've got the quote here from Nicola Bryant, actually. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, she says, I was very happy with my original exit. That is to say, I loved the shaved head, the mind transplant, and Yukanos blowing my body to smithereens. It was dramatic, poignant, and shocking. So, of course, I hated it when they retconned, in brackets, I'm told this is the word, uh, my exit. So she's really not a fan of what they did with her coming back. And I've, I don't even know the reasoning behind that, dude. I don't know why they... I, I think I it see. was to provide a little bit of uh, kind of closure for the Doctor in terms of Perry. I, I think that's why they did that, for the Doctor's benefit. Yeah, I was going to say, because what makes that scene work for me in a way is is the Doctor's reaction. He's so relieved. Mm -hmm. And I think, yeah, whereas, you know, I mean, he doesn't mention Adric much, but uh, <laughs> you could, Colin was so connected to Perry, I think, by this point. I think um, it's just the relief on the Doctor's face when he realises, oh, she didn't die. Because I think it would have, perhaps it could have turned him the other way. Perhaps he would have gone a bit 12th Doctor Capaldi. He might have gone off the rails if he thought Perry was actually dead. There would have been an anger inside him and he'd have gone back to strangling people again. So to sort of in terms of the progression of that he wanted for his doctor, maybe it needed to happen. But yeah, I think it's a very last minute decision by J&T. Yeah. Because um, uh, as I said, Nicola thought, you know, it was a bit miffed, I think, that they they did that. It sounds, um, yeah, definitely sounds like it, mate. And I, I kind yeah. of agree with her from her point of view. She probably had that cool kind of exit. Because as a companion on the show, she's not thinking in her head at the time. She's not thinking, "I don't want my character to be killed." To be killed because when they do like the 50th anniversary show, or when they, you know, I want to be brought back. She's thinking at the time, "This is great television." The character yeah. to go out in that way. So the fact that it, I'm in two minds because, like you said, it is quite nice when you see Colin's reaction to it and that little bit of you know, thank God, you know, she she survived and she's. We have no idea what the old domestic rows are like with her and Yukanos, <laughs> but can you imagine? she's potentially happy and she's alive at least. So, in, in that way, it's kind of cool. But yeah. I think I'm, I'm sort of. I think the thing is, I'm glad actually that Perry didn't die, but I think they should have thought of a better. <laughs> but then I guess they were looking at the clips of what can we use, and the only one they could find was that sort of loving look that they give each other, and they probably thought. I know what we'll do. <laughs> Here we go. There's a bit of a spark there. Let's uh, utilize that. But yeah, I don't know. I just wish it had been a different, uh, I, I'm glad she survived, but I don't just don't buy the fact she would ever have gone off with Yukanos. Yeah. I think they could have just said, yeah, it's okay. He went in, he actually saved her and he dropped her back on earth and she's happily married or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I just don't buy her becoming a warrior queen. It doesn't seem, yeah, I wonder if Big yeah. Finish have picked up on that. <laughs> yeah, I'm they not must sure. have done. I don't know. They must have tackled that at some point. I'm sure. I don't know because Perry, they, she's in a, a fair few stories for Big Finish. She is. Yeah. So I don't know whether they've if there's a story that revisits her with Yukanos or whatever. I don't think so. They probably need a very. <laughs> they probably need a very soundproof room if they're going to get Brian Blessed in to record. Yeah, bloody hell. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes, indeedy. What did you think too? Uh, but actually, before we get on to 
before we get on to um, a, a couple of important characters. So we're going to talk about the Valyard and the Master in a second. Mm. Um, but what did you think to the 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 Time Lord Council stuff? Because we we find out that um, the the dudes that are in the courtroom and stuff they're actually like the, like the highest rank or the highest order of of time lords with like the whole time law stuff or whatever yeah um but they still look incredibly bored there's like no <laughs> interaction thought, is there between them i thought they'd been replaced by shop dummies <laughs> i honestly did it was only when i saw one who got thinning hair i thought no i think it's a real person um yeah they do look really even for extras they look incredibly bored. Yeah, because um, you, you thought that they would like, you know, when you see clips on TV here in the UK, when you see clips in Parliament of like the Houses of Commons or, or whatever, you know, those people that are high ranking, you know, they do a fair good, fairly good job of throwing their opinion out there. So these guys apparently are the ultimate court of appeal and they are the supreme guardians of Gallifreyan law, but they don't say a word. They just sit there and swivel in the chairs. And that's one thing that we we picked up on on the previous reviews, the previous parts that we said, you know, those guys are just sat there. They might, as extras go, you'd be bored out of your mind, wouldn't you? They, they do. They really do. Um, the old guy with the key though, he's, uh, he's, he's loving it, isn't he? He's loving his screen time. Oh, the keeper he's of the like, matrix. You won't get this key off of me. Yeah. Yet they, Mel gets off him within two seconds. Oh yeah. James <laughs> Bree, uh, the keeper of the matrix. Key. <laughs> he's, um, yeah, I thought he was in another episode of Doctor Who, but I was wrong at that. For some reason, oh, right. I just thought he was in another, another story. But what do you think? Because the whole Matrix thing—it's um—it's been used a few times in different stories over the years, isn't it? Like obviously the Deadly Assassin and that sort of thing. But in this one, so you got this guy who's got the key, and he's adamant that no one could possibly get it off of him, even though I assume he must sleep at some point. I don't think it'd be that difficult to find that blimmin' key. Um, but when they do get it, it's just that door, isn't it? <laughs> just say, I'm just popping into the matrix. It's just that <laughs> that stained glass door that just conveniently is outside the courtroom. But um, it, it's very convenient. But I mean, it, it is it is it is good, isn't it? When they do go into the matrix, you do get the, you know the way they mm-hmm. come down in that beam of light into that creepy location stuff. I I do love all the stuff in the matrix. Yeah, it's kind of cool actually. But what yeah. did you think of the guy with the key though? He's very he's like. You're not going to, you know, no one could possibly get this off of me. Yeah, that, well, <laughs> that trips him up. Yeah, I think that was purposely done that he was over egging the pudding with that. Like, over egging it, yeah. Yeah, because it was basically saying, look, you're, you know, you're, you're saying that in all the millennia that you've looked out, you know, protected the Matrix, no one has ever taken the key of Rassilon. So we knew, didn't we, that within the next 10 minutes, Somebody was going to take it and break in and stuff. So it was, it was kind of cool though. I like the whole, the law around the the time lords that they presented with this. The whole matrix because yes. I, you know, yeah, the fact that there is a keeper of the matrix is very cool and stuff. But that guy James Pre, yeah, I, I thought I recognised him. He's um, he plays a security chief in the war games. Oh, does he? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, right, okay. I thought I reckon. I was just going to say, didn't even the master manage to make a copy? Isn't there a scene? Or, or if I imagine that, didn't the master say, even I've got a key? Yeah. Even I've got a yeah. copy of that key, <laughs> just to rub it in. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. It's the, the, deliberate, the deliberate way that he's very proudly saying, 
yeah. that no one's ever compromised the Matrix because I've got the key around my neck. Not even around his neck. It's like hanging on a little hook on his costume. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, and then brilliant. Mel gets it and then the master's like, yo. I've got it. <laughs> I've got one as well. <laughs> and not only that, it, it, it contrad- so the guy's like, not only has anybody never been able to take the key from me, even if they did, they wouldn't be able to make a copy. And then, like you said, a couple of minutes later, he's like, the master's like, well, I've got, I've made a copy. And I've got one right here. <laughs> I just love all that stuff. It's brilliant. Yeah, the old master and uh, and the keeper. That, yeah, there were some good interactions, actually. So, you know, in the previous parts, the majority of stuff that was going on was between uh, the Doctor, the Valyard, and... Um, and the Inquisitor, for the most part, just those three, really. Yeah, that was going between. So it was nice to have some action going on in the courtroom, rather than just pause. Right, this is what happened. No, it didn't. Okay, then resume. It was nice to have something else going on that sort of threw the story into a bit more of a bit, bit more of a. Uh, uh, yeah, just questioning what you were watching because there was a bit of a timey wimey scene, wasn't there? Where there was, yeah, where. Mel was giving some evidence and stuff. And then she went into the matrix and then the, they did this kind of cool effect where the, the people in the courtroom are watching themselves in the courtroom. Yeah. And then it goes into the actual scene where the doctor explains like, you know, that wasn't real because I can't remember exactly what he says. He explains it very quickly. He says, you know, that wasn't real because I knew that you wouldn't know that bit and stuff like that. And so, yeah, it it, it was good that it threw those, sort of questions at you because when you're watching it you were thinking something's not right i tell you what i like yeah. about that is i think that's down to bonnie that bonnie does the a really subtle change in her in the way she acts i can't really explain it but i think you know what i mean because yes. you yeah. you sort of think is, is bonnie being odd or is she just being is her acting not very good but it's actually it's on purpose it's a real subtle she's not being robotic but she's almost playing it like I'm not the real Mel. Yes. But it's yeah. very, very subtle. As I said, I wasn't even sure at first because I'd forgotten about that whole bit. Mm-hmm. I wasn't even sure if it was like an intentional <laughs> twist on her performance or if it was just that she hadn't settled into the part yet. But no, it's a ve- it's it's Bonnie doing a very subtle difference. So you do suspect something's not quite right, but you you're not too sure what. And I, I had honestly completely forgotten that that was a whole. So when the screen zooms out from the matrix and then back into the, sorry, from the courtroom back into the courtroom, I thought, Oh yeah, that's right. It's all a, it's all a fake mm-hmm. thing. Um, so I like that. It, yeah. So, and I love it when she does go into the real matrix and tells the doctor, he's like, go away. I've got, I knew it wasn't real. Oh, you've ruined everything. And then he falls, everything disappears. And he falls on the floor. I thought that was really funny. <laughs> oh, dude, I found those scenes. There was two scenes that I found really creepy when the doctor goes into the matrix. The first one was he looks around and he can see that he, he obviously knows that it's an illusion. It's not quite reality. He looks around mm. and he's like, Hmm, there's like, you know, old timey London and stuff. And then there's a bit where he starts to walk or he starts to run. And then you hear this really creepy, like these children singing the London's oh, yeah. burning uh, yeah. nursery rhyme. And that that's really, uh, I really like horror films, but anytime that there's like little kids singing like that, it really creeps me out. So I was like that, this is creepy. And then the other thing was, and I'm not sure if this was intentional to creep you out or whatever, but when Mel goes into the matrix for the first time, 
she's underneath the bridge and she's calling the doctor and stuff, but they never show her face. Oh, it's a sh- like a silhouette. Yeah, it's like in yeah. silhouette and shadow. And I think, and I thought to myself, why are they not showing her face? Like, is that really Mel? Is that weird? And for a second, I thought, oh God, there's like, she's going to walk out into the out of shadow and she's going to be like this monster type of thing or she's going to be someone else or a possessed person or something. It That just really creeps me out that for some reason they didn't show her face underneath that bridge there. Even though yeah. the doctor seems quite confident that it's her because he goes back to his kind of, oh, go away and all that. You know, he's got his plan going on. But yeah, dude, those two scenes, they just creeped me out big time. Yeah, no, I agree. It's a good, and it's, I think the setting as well really helps with that, all the mist and fog and stuff. Yeah. Um, and also there's the, you know, there's the bit in the barrel when the doctor, <laughs> you know, all that kind of stuff. Cause that's, I think when, once you step into the matrix, the good thing is, is that like you said, it is creepy because you never know what's going to happen. Like literally anything mm-hmm. can happen um, in that, in that world. Oh, the hand uh, I, that comes out the water in the barrel, you mean? Grabs yes, him. Yeah, oh yeah, that's yeah. creepy. Yeah. That's weird. And then, of course, you know, Glitz turns up. I think Glitz and the Doctor make a good double act as well. I think they, they had a bit more leverage. If they had done another series, I think, you know, they could have done another story with them. I think they work really well together, um, the Doctor and Glitz. They, the humour, do you know what I mean? The sort of the, the humour between the two, they bounce off each other really well. Yes, they do. Tony Selby and Colin. Yeah. Yes, they do. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, we, we see um, Glitz again, don't we? And uh, is it? Dragonfire. Dragonfire, yeah. We see him one more time, don't we? Yeah. Um, but he's consistent now, given that Tony Selby oh. playing Glitz. He's very, I think he's slightly different in Dragonfire, but for these ones, certainly, he's very, you know what you're going to get <laughs> with him. Yeah, I, I like the character. I really do like the scene as well where they, they get another use of the model shot, but you get these two, they look like almost like coffins, don't they? they when they arrive in the courtroom, uh, Mel and glitz they arrive at those funny sort of capsules um and i like that a bit because he's he gets out and he's like dibber what's happened to your voice man and obviously it's it's mel so i don't know what's happened to dibber at that point he's 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 gone but um yeah he's a good character glitz it's i like the fact that you just never quite he is a good guy underneath Mm -hmm. but but you also know it double cross you in a heartbeat so it's quite good the way he flicks between helping the doctor and working with the master but that that whole thing works really well in this i think because you just yeah. you can't trust glitz but he's fun and it's nice isn't it when the doctor says at the end you know get go easy on him he's what does he say he's got a good heart or something uh something like that yeah he's yeah uh, he's like go easy on glitz when when you take him out of the matrix he's he's got potential i think he's not says all and bad or something like yeah. yeah basically he's you know he's there are worse people to, to throw in prison. Because <laughs> I, I must admit, I couldn't remember after I watched this, the master, I think, the last, because I, I did think when it ended, what happened to the master? He's still trapped in the Matrix, isn't he? When this finishes? Uh, at the end, so, uh, yeah, He's so I think the master's still the there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Time Lords are going to deal with him, because I'm trying to think when we next see him then. Uh, survival, I suppose. Survival, yeah. yeah. Must be, mustn't it? He's not in it. Mm-hmm. Is he in it? Between now and survival? No, 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 it must no, be. No. So, yeah, between, so yeah, we don't know quite what's happened to the master, you know, between then and now, I suppose. Well, he's turned a bit <laughs> savage. He's gone a bit feral by yeah, the time he's gone we a next see him. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Mm. Um, let me just make sure we've got that right. Uh, the master, does he stay in the Matrix? 
Because I'm just trying to think. It's all because that that's the thing. It did wrap up a little bit quick. I must admit, because the Valiards sort of oh, no. defeated yeah. a little bit too easily. I think that's the only sort of niggle I've got of it. But I'm gonna put that down to the, you know, the cuts that they had to make to get this in to a 30 minute episode and things like that. Um, but yeah, he's considering he does feel almost invincible, doesn't he? The Valiard. He does feel like this really evil clever you know and it's the doctor against the doctor so you do think god how's the doctor going to go defeat him mm-hmm. and he is defeated a little easily that's one thing i would say a little bit yeah so i think mm-hmm. it's that that closing scene i think the inquisitor doesn't she say to the keeper of the matrix who we only see from the back you know mm-hmm. she's like we need to make some improvements to the security and stuff and i think the gist is while you're removing the master and glitz from the matrix, you then need to like upgrade everything and make sure everything's good. You need some antivirus software. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and then everyone walks away and then he turns around and it's the Val Yard again. And he just does this kind of breaking the fourth wall, looking into the camera, does this evil sort of sinister James Bond cackle. What, what, what did you think about that? As an <laughs> ending? Like, so it's all over, it's all wrapped up and then it's kind of like, or is it you know he's, he's back yeah do you know what i really like it mate when you i like it? yeah when i first watched it though years ago i didn't like it i thought to myself mm-hmm. why would they break the fourth wall with with this you know it's crazy but now that i've watched it i think this is maybe the third time i've watched this overall over the years i think yeah and now the more that i've watched it i just think well everything that happens is completely nuts anyway like every you know all the stuff that you see with like remember when part one in the mysterious planet one of the things i said that was weird is that as the people in the courtroom watch what's going on on the screen they're watching what we're watching as the viewer as an episode of doctor who so it's kind of weird fourth wally compromised anyway it's a bit sort of random and weird so i just think you know what better way to to end it all than just have the Vale Yard just turn to the camera and just be like, <laughs> yeah. Still here. Still, still around. Here. Yeah. Mm. So I, yeah, no, I actually I quite good. like it, mate. Yeah. It's good to think he's still out there somewhere, isn't it? Cackling somewhere. Cackling, yeah. Yeah. Stroking a cat, probably. <laughs> Coming up with a new plan. But uh, yeah, that's interesting. It brings me on to these things I told about, all these lasts and finals and stuff. So uh, obviously we know it's the final time that the uh, that Colin appeared televised as the Doctor. Uh, also, talking of the Vale Yard, it's the final appearance of the Vale Yard as a recurring character, and uh, of the Inquisitor as well. So those two, we don't see them ever again on TV. Mm. I, I would imagine um, the Inquisitor's quite pleased because I think her hat, her headgear, was getting <laughs> a bit bent by the end of this story. Did you notice that over the course of this series that it's getting more and more um, crumpled her, mm-hmm. her headset so it probably wouldn't have lasted another series yes. she's good though I like the character the Inquisitor probably yeah it's probably probably didn't need to see her again after this but she works well in in keeping the uh, Doctor and the Valiard from throttling each other she's a good ca- in between character yes she is pretty good yeah mm-hmm. uh, we have the final appearance uh, as Perry in the cameo yeah TV yep Mm-hmm. Uh, also the last of the master's annual appearances on the show that started way back in 1981 with the keeper of Traken. Mm. Uh, so we wouldn't see him again until survival season 26. Yeah. Uh, the final story, uh, that Robert Holmes contributed to as longtime scriptwriter, obviously, 
and the last on-screen appearance of the Time Lords as a civilization for 23 years. That's the one that got me the most. Wow. The final time we saw them on screen. Blimmin' it, I nearly swore them. Blimmin' heck. Didn't yeah, realise that. Me too, mate. Yeah, when I saw that, when I was researching it, I was like, no, they've been on, but no, they haven't been on Surely. since. Because uh, they did away with the whole, after this story, and when Colin's era, sorry, when McCoy's era started, they did away with the whole, let's interact with the Time Lords and all that stuff. So we don't see, and, and they also do away with it for a fair chunk until we get into Tenant's era as well, because in the, in Eccleston's series, they reference all of it and they talk about the the last great time war mm. and all that stuff. But that at that point, Russell had written it as in the Time Lords had been killed. So they that the whole, you know, b- before each showrunner had completely obliterated all the canon and all the storylines, <laughs> Russell initially wrote it that the Doctor was the last surviving Time Lord of Gallifrey. All the Time Lords had been killed anyway in the time war it's not until they look it's not until we get to the end of time part one that we see the time lords again so this was the last time we saw them blimey I, yeah, i've never really sort of thought really clocked that because mm. i was thinking that i thought of the tv movie they sort of mentioned aren't they because they want the master on trial and all that but but yeah i suppose you're right in terms of actually seeing them on screen and and, and that yeah so it's quite a big thing i i don't think they've really known what to do with gallifrey since the show returned, to be honest with you. I don't think they really know, because it gets bounced around left, right and centre, doesn't it? Over, yeah. the, over the years, since it came back in 2005, it, it's been blown up and brought back again and hidden away and yeah. blown up again. And well, it, I don't know, yeah. something about, it's just, I just some, something about the very simplicity of, the, of it in the classic series. It's just, they're there, they're pompous and they interfere and when they shouldn't and they tell you not to interfere, but they do it themselves. You know what I mean? It's just... I, there's something about the simplicity which I prefer. I think in the new series, I just don't think they quite know what to do. They don't know they, what to do with them, mate. Yeah. No, because... You, yeah, go on. No, sorry. Just gonna say, I mean, you look at Hellbent, and that was a real wasted opportunity. It starts off so great with the Doctor drinking soup outside the barn, and you think it's really going to kick off on Gallifrey, and then nothing happens. Um, but that's what I mean. it has been really good moments. Um, and it, it looks great in the new series, the whole Citadel and that, that they... that you know, the CGI Citadel that they've managed to create in the new series looks fantastic. But yeah, I just don't think they quite know what to do with Gallifrey. And, and especially now, I mean, it's just left in ruins again, isn't it? Which it just seems sad, I think. Yeah, it's weird. I was going to say they, they don't know what to do with them, I don't think. Because when we see them at the end of time, that was all kind of cool because we hadn't seen them for so long. So that was that was kind of cool. But then... They got sent into the pocket, like a parallel or pocket universe, didn't they? Yeah. For that. And then, so that was the end of the day of the Doctor. They ended up saving Gallifrey by putting it in a Gallifrey in a pocket universe. And then they managed to somehow leave the pocket universe and they were found billions of years into the future. That's what we get to in Hellbent. They managed to escape That's the pocket right. universe. But then, so that was one thing. And you think, oh, okay, they've kind of changed it again. What's happening with them? And then at the end of series 12, obviously, the Master's apparently killed them all and was on his way to turning them into cyber Time Lords. But that didn't go well. So what's happening with them now? Are they going to reinvent them again? Are, they, are we going to see 
Gallifrey alive and kicking. It's all been a dream. Is it a reset button coming up? We have no idea. But uh, here's another one for you. This was also the final on-screen reference to the Santarans. And when the, you know, the doctor mentions them in his little speech. Yeah, Santarans, right? Yeah. Yeah, The next time we see or hear of the Santarans won't be until the Santaran stratagem slash the Poison Sky 22 years after this. Blimey. Yeah. Wow. They just culled the lot. They did. (laughs) That's so long, yeah. I'll tell you another thing, and I don't, I don't want to get into the whole timeless child thing, obviously, because we'll be here all day. <laughs> but regenerations get mentioned a few times in this. You know, the whole thing, the whole crux of this plan by the Vayuard is to get rid of this good side of himself, so he can be, a, you know, completely evil, but also he wants the Doctor's remaining regenerations. And it just, I, I think anything to do regeneration with the Doctor now, kind of feels a bit watered down because of the timeless child and i know when we reviewed it i said i didn't, didn't really have a problem with it um and i quite enjoyed the episode but i am finding the more we watch classic who and see references like that the more i am starting to go against the timeless child idea a little bit um because i just feel like it's quite having this sort of limit on things brings a danger and it, it just, again, it simplifies things in my head. It's like the Doctor's only got, you know, the Valiard wants his four remaining regen- it, it gives it substance. Whereas I think if the Doctor's just got endless regenerations, it takes something away from the character, I think. So I, I kind of like the fact that the Valiard is doing this all out of desperation to get those few remaining, you know, regenerations yeah. from the Doctor. Yeah. yeah. So I just wonder how you, again, it's just any time Gallifrey or... I'm a Time Lord or Regenerations is mentioned when I'm watching Doctor Who. It's, it's now taken on a, a slightly different meaning. And um, it's like, it's starting to irk me a little bit. I'm, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Even though I didn't really have a problem with The mm-hmm. Timeless Child when we reviewed it, I, I am finding I am getting a little bit irked by it the more I watch Classic Who because it's, it's, it's slightly changing things. I mean, you can you can... The good thing about Doctor Who is you can... It can be anything you want it to be, really. So you could you could get round any situation to do with regeneration and and all that. But um, I don't know. It's still starting to. I get a little pang now, you know, when I hear things like that. So I think, oh, does it though? You know. Anyway, I don't know. I just wondered how you felt about it. Uh, yeah, I think we spoke about this briefly. Was it with you? I spoke to us about the other day. I can't remember. But yeah, the the more that I think about it, and the more that I watch classic stories and anything to do with regens it's, it is starting to irk me a little bit now it's starting to to, to just dilute all of the impact that all these stories had back just then a tad. Yeah, yeah because uh there there is a scene where the master is saying that when when he's saying when he reveals to the to the, the courtroom who the valeyard actually is i think he says something along the lines of when the doctor gets to his final regeneration, that's when that that's when the Valyard was created as like a darker version of himself. Yeah, it's uh, like this sort of in between the the two final generations, something like regeneration that. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. And as soon as he said that, I thought, well, that doesn't really matter now, does it? Because we know that that's not true. The doctor doesn't have a final, well, that we know of anyway, mm. a, a final regeneration because the Doctor's now timeless or immortal, whatever way you want to describe it. So when he said that, yeah, I must admit it did pop into my head, well, this whole thing's, well, 
depending on how deep you want to go, this whole story could be considered just fairly inconsequential now, because if even if the Valyard was after the Doctor's remaining generations, we now know that Doctor doesn't have any remaining. They're just infinite. Yeah. So it, it, it kind of depends on how far you want to go. But yeah, it, it does dilute the impact a little bit of the Valyard trying to get the Doctor killed. Mm. Even though we now know that he, he could have done it at any point. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't have to be between regenerations that and that is final time i just so, felt my back go up a little bit i think it was that exact scene you just mentioned as well yeah. he's like i am between the doctor's la final and i am the in between and i thought like, oh that's such a great idea and it, yeah i just felt my back go up a little bit thinking about the times child when he said it but yeah i'm not making a big deal out of it i'm just saying it it did um it did cross my mind a little bit and i I don't know. I may have to revisit The Timeless Child at some point. I'm not ready to do it yet. i just got a feeling that my feelings may change. But anyway, I'll yeah, get off that yeah. subject now because otherwise I've gone, we could be here all day. No, really. <laughs> um, but in terms of the Valiardo, another great performance from Michael Jason. Very, very cool. Brilliant. Yeah. Really, really good. He's very good as the, as the Valiardo. Yeah. yeah. Even without his hat on, on the beach. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, actually, I, I like the beach scenes. I felt sorry for Colin when he's being dragged under the under all that sand. I was thinking, God, I bet that was horrible, really uncomfortable. He says he loved it. I was amazed. I was watching the making of, and he was saying how much he enjoyed all that. I was absolutely fine. The whole time I was watching, I thought, oh, I bet that was horrible. Like, because it looks like it's going to go in his mouth and he had to do it two or three times, you know, to get the take right. And there's a bit where they reverse the film and he has to come up and say the line backwards. Um, Yeah, I just thought, God, I bet it was a nightmare. But no, Colin loved it, apparently. He loved getting getting down in the dirt, he says. (laughs) Well, down and dirty. Yeah, well, that's what we were saying earlier on, wasn't it? He's just getting into his stride as as the doctor and doing all this stuff. And then anyways, yeah. So uh, I've been to that beach as well a couple of times, Canberra Sands. Have you? I don't think I've I've been there. No, I've heard of it. I I know of it. It's really recognisable. It's like all of this kind of light coloured sand with grass growing through it. It's yeah. I wonder if the TARDIS hut's still there because that was a real beach shed. Well, it's a shed, isn't it? It's not there anymore, no. Oh, that's a shame. I would have gone up to that because technically it's a TARDIS, isn't it? Technically, yeah. I, I do love it when we see inside the, the Master's TARDIS. It, I know it's the Doctor's oh. pain black, but it's something about it, isn't there? Dude, I was yeah, that was going to be in my notes to, to mention in a little while. But dude, oh. Oh, the matte black finish on the Master's. Oh, no. I love it. It's really cool. Yeah. I'd have that, mate. I, I do. I love it as well. And I, <laughs> oh. I There's a bit where he him and glitz go into the the next room and he just shuts the doctor in the console and then suddenly he's like he turns on a disco ball <laughs> i don't know what he's doing to the doctor but colin's going Aah! sensory overload yeah brilliant stuff that was cool actually that bit yeah yeah but the master's interior mate crikey moses mm-hmm. when i watched it again last night i again was like oh that looks wicked I just I love always it. love it when we go inside. I think Planet of Fire, we see it briefly, maybe. I don't know. There's, it's not in it a lot, but it's always a treat, isn't it? Yes. When you get to go inside yeah. this tire. I'm talking about, I know we see it a lot in the Pertwee here, but I mean, there's just something about Ainley's, uh, black, like you said, the mm. black matte finish. Um, he's nicked the Doctor's brand new console <laughs> design somehow. We somehow. don't know how. Yeah. And just painted it black. Fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. Yeah. Mm. Lastly then, just quickly... Uh, Jeffrey Hughes then as Popplewick. 
which Onslow, I, Onslow oh, I mean. from Keeping Up Appearances. Yeah, it's um, Brilliant. I think don't isn't he the Vale Yard though? Don't we find out that he is? Or have I got that? Yes, one? yes. Yeah. No, that, yeah, he is. I think that's done really well. Actually, the mask is great, isn't it? Yes. Like um, yeah. when uh, Michael Jason has to wear the mask of, uh, of Popplewick. What a great character though, mm-hmm. uh, Popplewick is, and Jeffrey Hughes is brilliant. I think he's absolutely perfect. Um. He really suits the sideburns for a start. Um, but yeah, perfect casting, great character um, and a great reveal as well. That it's the Vale Yard all the time. He was the Vale Yard all the time. The whole but, time, yeah. yeah. He's, all, he's great. I, lo- I love the character and I think Jeffrey Hughes is, is really good in that part. Yeah, I, I, th- thought so. I thought he was in it more. I must admit, when I was watching it again yesterday, I always thought he was in it more. But um, I do like the scene where he's got, there's two of him as well. Like they go out of one room and he's, is it his twin brother or something? I don't know. There's like two Popplewicks, isn't there? One in the office. You can't go in there, and then they go in, and he's in, in there. Yeah. I, yeah. With slightly bigger sideburns. <laughs> That's right, yeah. And I think one of them's got glasses on the whole time, the other one doesn't. That's right. Yeah, very subtle differences. But yeah, he's great, isn't he? Yeah. Very cool character. Well written as well. I was thinking, who's this guy then? Oh, he's like a, a weird character in the Matrix. And they go through the room, like you said, and he's in there again. I'm like, ah, oh, this is just messing with the Doctor. Yeah, 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 just to mess with him even more. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, um, I think that's all I've got to talk about, really. I mean, overall, it's just uh, you know, cracking a cracking end. I thought to the story. I know, I know, a lot of people don't like it, and it's you know, disappointed and stuff. But I think there could have been a lot worse ways to finish off the the story as a whole. I think it's a pretty good, a pretty fitting end. I would say. Yeah, I think um, actually, you summed up what I like about it in terms of the energy this this two-parter has energy from everybody in it um you know bonnie as mel she's really going for it um collins just seems to be absolutely loving it the michael j savannah everybody popplewick characters ideas it's it's full of energy and ideas and um as i said it's it's i think it's right that it's a two-parter um i know they cut 10 minutes i kind of wish they'd left the second part as a bit of a sort of epic um, conclusion, but yeah, so it's a good two part. I don't, don't really have a, a lot more to say. I mean, I the only other notes I've made is that the doctor mentions his age, um, which seems to be popping up in a lot of stories I've watched recently, totally contradicting himself all the time. <laughs> so he's 900 plus years old in this, Colin says. And yet, in uh, Time of the Rani, uh, the next story, he's 953, I think. So he's well, I think he he's aged say... 53 years, and Mal hasn't aged at all. Um, <laughs> I think he doesn't say explicitly he's 900. I think he just says he's over 900 years That's old. That's right. Yes, you're yeah. absolutely right. Yeah. Gets yes. away with it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Just having a look at my notes. Was there anything else? Music was not too bad. Dominic. Oh, actually, Dominic I liked Glenn. the music in this. Yeah. yeah. It's it's more subtle than it has been in other stories. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know who did the music. Is it Dominic Glenn? Dominic Glenn. Glenn. Yeah. 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 I liked the music in this. Oh, Much more sparse. It was good. Um, have a look at my notes. Anything else? No, I think we pretty much covered it. To be honest, oh, I, t- I put how did Mel get out of the matrix? There was a again. That's probably down to things being cut out and timing. But she, they seemed to be able to get in and out of the matrix very easily, and I wasn't quite sure how that was happening. Because, uh, <laughs> oh, but uh, yeah. again, I think that's probably stuff that was cut due to timings. Yeah, so. there's not enough time. As I was saying, it's a great as a two-parter, but yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's just leads you up, just leads the imagination how they do that. Mm. It was well directed as well. I think Chris Clough did a good job directing it, and I am going to say all all credit to Pip and Jane for stepping in 
Um, you know, you can say what you like about those guys, but they were, I think JNT says it, reliable, you know? Yeah. And dude, yeah. what, in order, you know, to, it's, it's one thing being handed this task late in the day. Like, guys, <laughs> he's walked out. I need you to step in and save the day. That's one thing. But then also to be told, oh, and also, I can't tell you anything about what he wrote. So all For legal reasons, you yeah, can't know anything. <laughs> yeah, so all you've got is the rough outline of what's happened so far, but I can't tell you any details for anything, so you just got to come up with it. I mean, come on, that's pretty good going. What, when you watch that, um, the making of me, so what? They're just I just love the couples. You can see that they are so contrast. But, um, <laughs> Jane is very strong, a very strong character, and Pip, bless him, just lets her, you know, he's just very quiet. And you can see that when she's telling a story, if you watch carefully, he's actually saying, he's actually saying under his breath the words with her. It's really, they are such a sweet couple. I love them. Um, yeah. So hats off to Pip and Jane for stepping in and saving, you know, saving the end of the trial. I yeah. think they did a very good job. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Right. Scores, dude. Uh, is it me to go first? Yes. I think you it go might first. be. Yeah. So I'm going to give this a seven. Yeah, um, we're we're more in line this week. I, I've given it a seven point five. It's it's good. I really enjoyed it. It's not. I think I when I go to an eight, it's a story that I think is really, you know, once I start going past an eight, anything past an eight is something very good. Right. And I enjoyed this, but it's not quite up there as an eight. But it's definitely the, my favourite from this series so far. Yeah. Uh, it, sorry, from the Trial of Time Lord series, it's my favourite um, story. So, yeah, I re- really did enjoy it. 7.5. It's still not cool. great, but it was good. Cool. And if you had to rate The Trial of a Time Lord overall, what would you give that? I suppose I'm going to give it a 7 because I think most of my scores, apart from Vervoids, I think was my lowest scored story in this. Um, it, they've all been around a sort of 6 or 7, haven't they, my scores? So I suppose I'm going to give it that. It's mm, it's between a 6.5 and a 7 for me. It's a very sort of hit and miss season. Okay. I think they got some stuff really right, and I think other bits just fell completely flat. But um, I'll give it a seven overall this series. Okay. Um, I'd probably give it a six overall. Yeah. 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 I think it's good that they try to do – I mean, you can't fault them for that. They try to do some other bits and try to to make it something different to what we've seen before and stuff. It's just really sad how Colin was treated and binned off and all that. And and it must have just been – my my hat does go off to all of the guys that were making the show at the time because the writing was on the wall at this point. It so was. Michael Grade had already tried to can the show at least once at this point, and they battled on. And when you when you're up against it like that, when you know that the people at the BBC just don't want you making the show anymore, they don't want it, but you keep going and stuff. So yeah, hats off to everybody that was still just cracking on and trying to make it as good as it can be. So there's a, there's another that. guy on the making of, I can't remember his name because Michael Grade's always, you know, he was sort of the main villain when it comes to the cancellation <laughs> of Doctor Who. But there was, there is another guy who doesn't often get mentioned and he's, he's on the making of, and he's quite candid about the fact that he just wanted rid of the show. Can't remember his name. Um, but yeah, when you watch the making of on this, it does make, you know, they were, you got these two guys that are just determined to get this off the screen. Um, and so to battle on, you know, with JNT and everyone to battle on to keep it going, it is quite incredible, actually. And I'm glad they did. You know, despite its faults, um, I'm certainly glad that Trial made it to screen, unlike the cancelled season. It's, uh, mm-hmm. it's It's got some enjoyable stuff in there. Yeah, for sure. 
Yep. Just a quick uh, quiz. There's there's only two. So the doctor, you know, in the in the last story, the um, the inquisitor had railed him in a bit, so he was calling the valiard to valiard, valiard. But in this one, he does manage to get a two little uh, abbreviations on the Vale Yard's name. I just wondered if you could name them. Oh, no, I got the Rail Yard one. That was quite Yeah, cool. you got the Rail Yard. Uh, that's one. And there's one other he, he gets in there. No, what is it? What is it? Stack Yard. Oh, Stack <laughs> Yeah. So Rail Yard, Stack Yard. What other ones have we had over the uh, Brick Yard, Grave Yard, Farm Yard, Scrap Yard, and Knacker's Yard. Knacker's Yard's the best one, isn't it? <laughs> that's the best one, yeah. <laughs> uh, Brilliant. See, this was Colin at some of his best. Yeah, really it, yeah, was it's fun, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. So there we go then. Wrapping up Trial of a Time Lord, the ultimate foe. Seven point five from him, seven from me. We had some audio clips in as always. Let's kick off. This is birthday girl, Sammy from Down Under. Good day, Gary and Adam. Sammy Satine here. So the ultimate foe, the master copies the key of Rassilon and goes into the Matrix. Summons Melon Glitz, then drops a bombshell. The Valiard is the Doctor. Dun, 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 dun. Somewhere between his 12th and final incarnation, a concept not explored since or brought up, not to mention also apparently a construct of the Celestial Intervention Agency. I do wish the show would explore the Valyard and a rare glimpse into the Master's TARDIS. How marvellous! <laughs> I like it. Short. Pretty well paced. I do like that Perry didn't die. Though I'm not sure how she feels about having to put up with all that shouting. I give it seven keys of Rassilon out of ten. Stay safe. Wash your hands. See ya. Brilliant. Cheers, Sammy. <laughs> not sure about all that shouting. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Oh, blessed. Yeah. Thank you very much, Sammy. Seven. Would you, is the dinner ready? <laughs> you Carlos needs his food. Oh, you Carlos. <laughs> oh no god they would be oh the nightmare couple should we have perry and carlos round for dinner no oh they're here <laughs> i have to say it wasn't that bad with the doctor oh doctor you carlos well doctor oh. oh dear right moving on ian from france ian stevens hi ian from france here with my review of the ultimate foe not not many two parties in classic who and this one is a little oddity, and no mistake, with plenty of ups and downs. Let's start with the positives. Michael Jaston is ripping it up. Once his true identity is revealed, he goes from controlled authoritarian to crazed pantomime villain quicker than you can say, it's behind you. He's clearly having a whale of a time, and he's just great. The plot itself is neat and pretty damn original, and ties everything up quite effectively. A two parts, it in no way outstays its welcome. And the appearance of the master is always a treat and was a nice surprise, as I'd actually forgotten about his inclusion. Then the negatives come. In places, the performances are bordering on amateurish, even from Colin, who at times barely even seems to know his lines. It clearly needed another few rehearsals before the camera started rolling. That god-awful brief scene involving Perry and Yukarnos was vomit-inducing and undid the impact of the loss of her as a companion. And the very idea that she would go off with someone like him is frankly ridiculous. Verunik, sod off. And lastly, Mel. Poor, poor Mel. Sorry, I just can't stand this character. Though Bonnie Langford is trying her level best, but she's just so out of place, I can't forgive it. 
So, hardly a triumphant end to the opus, but it could have been a lot worse. Six corrupt Time Lords out of ten. Alors, c'est suffit. Je partis. A bientôt, mes amis. Et la prochaine fois, regardez simplement la Matrix à la place. And next time, just watch the Matrix instead. <laughs> just watch the Matrix. <laughs> Vomiting, juicing, brilliant. Yeah, Ian, not a fan of the old Perry coming back. <laughs> Retcon. No. Oh, dear. Uh, thank you very much, as always, Ian. Very entertaining, dude. Uh, George Puddy is up next. So, yes, the ultimate foe, the finale to The Trial of a Time Lord. Now, I haven't sent an audio clip in since The Mysterious Planet, so to recap, I didn't really like The Mysterious Planet that much. Mind Warp, I know a lot of people like it, I really couldn't stand Mind Warp. Um, One of my least favourite Colin Baker stories, to be honest, and that's kind of saying something. But um, contrary to you guys' review, um, I really like Terror of the Vervoids. It wasn't perfect, but I just found that a very fun murder mystery in space and I really like the chemistry between Colin Baker and Bonnie Langford as Mel. So now on to the ultimate foe and for me it's my favourite out of the season. It's very new series in its approach, um, it's quite a good finale to the series. Um, unfortunately not everything is explained um, and Mind Warp is left annoyingly ambiguous um, as to whether like what was the Doctor doing in that story. Not really explained which is annoying because that really frustrated me in Mind Warp. But I really like the Matrix style fight and I think that's pretty engaging. The locations are interesting and I like the return of characters like Glitz, they're fun. And I really like the revelations about the Valyard. I think they're quite dark and really quite interesting. Colin Baker gives his finest performance as the Doctor here, in my opinion. He's really good. Um, the story is kind of a fitting, if abrupt, ending for the Sixth Doctor. Obviously, it's not going to be a fitting finale for him. But as this was the last story, I think it could have been a lot worse, um, in my opinion. My only real criticism is that the Master feels quite tacked on and his scenes feel quite out of place. But overall, this is my favourite of the season and this is quite underrated in my opinion. I'll give the ultimate foe 8 out of 10. An 8? An 8, eh? Mm. An 8, eh? <laughs> okay, the Master feels tacked on. Hmm. Interesting. I mean, it wouldn't... I, I love him in it just because... Anthony Ainley seems to be having an absolute whale of a time. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad he's in it, but I will admit if he wasn't in it, it wouldn't really make any difference because you've got the veil yard. So I, I do get what what George is saying, but I, I, I do love the fact he's in it. I think it's I think it just adds an element, extra element of fun. Yeah, no, I agree, mate. Yeah. Okay, moving on. This is Seb Lane. Hello, Gary and Adam. I hope you're all well. The ultimate foe. Hmm. It's a bit of a weird one, really, because it's not too much to judge it on. It's only a short two-parter. Um, I did like the cliffhanger to part one, actually. It's it's a very wacky cliffhanger. You can tell that Colin Baker's doing most of the work. It's like a man who wants to be buried in the sand by his kids, but he has no kids. So you can sort of see him shuffling there. That's that's quite funny. Um, I liked Glitz in it. He's one of my favourite... Com- well, would you call him a companion? I'm not too sure. But friends, I suppose. Yeah, he was good. 
Colin Baker, you can tell at this point he's a little tired in his run, but I don't know. I think it's enjoyable. I It's nothing special, but it was fun nonetheless to watch. So I'd give it a 7 out of 10. Bye for now. 7. Nothing special. <laughs> nothing special. Yeah. Cheers, Seb. No, cheers for your thoughts there, Seb. Uh, moving on, this is Martin Arnold. Carrot juice. Your final words, <laughs> on the TV at least, as Doctor Who, are carrot juice. Oh my, what a way to go. It's sad, really. Um, Colin's era comes to a rather unfortunate end. But what a, what an era it's been. I think he's got some very strong stories. And The Trial of Time Lord is very ambitious um, and unique for perhaps all the wrong reasons. And I think this sort of return to the deadly assassin um written with help um robert holmes was you know at his last last days doing this one which i think you know kind of shows it's not his best but it's actually quite it's actually quite good i mean there's a lot of sort of kind of kind of dark stuff going on you know the sort of trickery and the matrix stuff is uh is a little spooky and it's got an atmosphere to it and i think if it had been more than two episodes it, it wouldn't have worked. So it, it ends it nicely. We learn that Perry hasn't been mind warped, but is she better off with Brian Blessed? Who knows? Perry's alive! Um, I give it a 7 out of 10. I think this is a flawed classic and it deserves um, it deserves respect. Thank you. Perry's alive. He's absolutely right. <laughs> Perry's alive. A flawed classic. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, yeah seven. For that. And lastly, this is Blair Donnelly. Hi, guys. Blair from Ontario, Canada. I was looking forward to the final story of this arc. I pop in the DVD only to find two episodes. Two! After investing all my time in this season-long arc, they wrap it up with a two-parter. I wish they made this into a four-parter. I think they could have had the Doctor and the Master work together for a couple episodes. A missed opportunity. It was nice to see Glitz back. I like the idea of the Valyard being the Doctor's dark side, but feel two episodes wasn't enough to flush it out once revealed. Overall, I still enjoy the episode, but it's hard to score. Because I have a soft spot for The Trial of the Time Lord, and because I know it will be the last ever episode for Colin, I will score it a 7.5. I wish Colin had a better exit and a proper regeneration scene. I guess I'll have to listen to the big finished story that deals with this. Thanks guys for getting through this. I know it may not have been highly scored by you, but it was certainly fun listening to your reviews. Hmm, 7.5. Same as me. Same as you, buddy. Yeah. Yeah, do listen to that big finish. But what's it called? <laughs> uh, the last... Oh, why can I something? never remember anything? The last... The, the last something. I'm going to quickly find it while we do the... But that is, it is a great... Um, big finish did a great send-off for Colin. Uh, six Doctor Adventures. Isn't it a six-parter? The Last Adventure. There last you go. Adventure, yeah. Uh, yeah, do go and check that out. Um, it's a, g- a really nice send-off. And it's got the Valyard in it and everything. It's a good, really good send-off for Colin's Doctor. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. That big finish story is really, really good. Jago and Lightfoot are in it. I think, yes. Very well written. Yeah. Yeah, so there we go. That brings us to an end of, well, the end of May and the end of our Trial of a Time Lord month. I think it's been a good month, dude, to do all these together. It really has, actually. And I, I know, you know, we've struggled with some of the stories, but I I have really enjoyed revisiting um, this season because it isn't one I go back to very often. And it, it's um, it's given me a new appreciation for Colin's Doctor. He's he's one that I struggled with as a kid. Um, 
you know, when this first was shown, I, I didn't really warm to Dr. Collins' doctor. I love him on Big Finish, but um, yeah, I've definitely got a bit of a more appreciation for for old Sixy uh, from his TV stories. So yeah, even though it's been a bit of a rough ride at times, I have enjoyed rewatching it. Yes, no, I agree. Yes, mm. uh, let's rattle through a few social tweets that we had through over on Twitter. Jordan Shortman, one of our writers, uh, says, given the issues behind the scenes, it's a miracle the story was even completed. Yeah. As it stands, the ultimate foe is okay. Glad it's only two parts, but the cast do a good job, even if the script doesn't make a lot of sense. <clears throat> uh, if anything, it's a shame that this is Colin's last story. Mm. Uh, the Universe of Who says, I'm not a fan of the Trial of a Time Lord saga, but this is my favourite of the lot. That's not to say I love it. It's decent. Uh, the central idea is amazing, and the Valyard is an intriguing idea. However, the ending with Mel and Six just leaving doesn't make sense. Uh, six out of ten. Mm-hmm. Yep. Rick Moran from the Dwass says, I loved it. This really did feel like a game changer. The appearance of the master comes as a big surprise, but it's more uh, true identity of the Valyard and the possibilities uh, that surrounding that that appeal. At the time, the concept of a doctor so far in the future must have felt a lifetime away, whereas now it's a reality. I know it's right at the end for him, but I've always considered this to be Colin's definitive performance. He is outstanding here. Mm. Uh, he says his speech in the courtroom is his finest moment. Uh, a respectful ending, 8 out of 10. Was that, Rick, you'll know, was there much reaction to this? Because it is a big reveal. And I, don't, I know we didn't have things like Twitter and Facebook and stuff back in when this went out. But I don't, I mean, I would have been quite young. I don't remember there being much of a reaction to this revelation of the value yard but but do tell me if there was rick because i probably would have been a bit young at the time anyway but tell me what the reaction was from fandom at the time was there a big shock um, what was it (laughs) i think you mentioned it in the review buddy that it's kind of weird that that's the time we were living in that well that back in that time that's when things just used to happen yeah, like yeah. nowadays, if the master was coming back, there'd be like an announcement at midnight from the BBC about <laughs> it, and then there'd be a big build up and yeah, and all that stuff. But back in the day, it was just bosh. Was there just, was your surprise. Yeah, no, yeah, it's true. I just yeah. wondered, yeah, because I I don't remember there being much of a fanfare about it at all. Mm. Uh, yeah, thank you very much, Rick. Uh, moving on, Caitlin Dalek 100 says, my favourite part of the trial series, and it pretty much does it justice. The Valyard is a true highlight, and it's so cool to see Anthony Ainley there too. Mm. Time Lords are a tad useless, uh, and it can be a tad messy in places, but one of my fave Collins stories, 8.5. Okie dokie. Uh, Joe on Twitter says, mad bonkers fun, just some of the words to describe the ultimate foe. I really like the story, and I think the fact that it's a short one really works in its favour. The concept is very good, but you can see the budget for the set wasn't all there. 8.5. Excuse me. Uh, Edward Gillooly says, I know there were major issues with writing, but it's still an absolute dog's dinner. Completely rubbish. (laughs) The trial format was an interesting idea, but that didn't quite work. And this was not a good way to end the series that was trying not to be cancelled. A 3.5. So I'm just laughing because I just love the phrase dog's dinner. (laughs) What a dog's dinner. A train wreck of a story, eh? Uh, Edward give it a 3.5 oh dear oh dear Max Cat 36 says I love this finale of an of an amazing series Colin is amazing the Valyard disguising himself as the old man I've forgotten the name of was somewhat predictable though I did have an issue and this was the first time the Doctor actually saw Liz 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 maybe Mel you mean oh right yeah Uh, TF production 17 says uh, this has to be my favorite from the trial series given the issues behind the scenes this one could have been a lot worse 
Uh, brilliant direction. The Doctor and the Valyard are fantastic together. The only downside is the ending. Blimming carrot juice, 8 out of 10. Mm. John Griffiths, like this one, very timey-wimey. Uh, people pop in and out of time streams they work with or rescue people they haven't met yet, and plans are foiled by plans made to foil other plans. <laughs> uh, nice Valyard reveal at the end, 7 out of 10 for this one, and a 5 out of 10 overall. Cheers, gentlemen. Okay. Cheers, John. Uh, Davros says, better than the last two installments, but not really anything above average. The conclusion is predictable, the plot pedestrian... And the whole season really was not as strong as it could and should have been, in my humble opinion. Mm. Disappointing, a five out of ten. Okay. Ryan McGiven. Good buddy Ryan says. Hello, Ryan. Uh, really like the ultimate foe. Felt like a game changer with the reveal and the how they used the Matrix. The ending was a great cliffhanger that sadly was never properly resolved. Uh, would have loved to have seen Michael Jason return on screen again. A nine out of ten. Mm. Okay. Uh, Morgan. Morgan McCandless, our good, good buddy Morgan. Oh, says, hello, Morgan. Uh, it's okay, but feels like a rushed conclusion to the saga with too many loose ends. Having the master back was great, and the Valyard's fantasy factory felt really eerie and atmospheric. The cliffhanger to part one was excellent too. Hands down, Colin's best performance, a six out of ten. Mm, okay, cheers, Morgan. Um, Dan Pinn says, I quite like this one. I think episode one is the strongest of the two. Yet again, some brilliant visuals. Scenes in the fantasy factory and those on the canvas sounds were beautiful. Another great performance from Colin. Would have loved to see more of old Sixie like this. Mm. Great to see Glitz back. Jeffrey Hughes as Popperwick is fantastic. The trial team are on top form again. You feel that they have really carried the season. I wonder how shocking the reveal of the Valyard's identity was first time round. Yeah. Gave it a seven. I was there, but I can't remember. <laughs> it would have been um, a talking point for sure, wouldn't it? I would have thought so, yeah. 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 And lastly, uh, the guys over on the Lost on Gallifrey podcast. Uh, it says, great ideas such as the Valyar twist and Colin gets a great speech, but the story is non-existent, a virtual runaround with the entire season suffocating under its mad pot of ideas. <laughs> Saying that, I do admire this season for doing something different. Overall, six out of ten, case closed. Fair enough. And <laughs> um, we had a few over on Facebook, so very quickly, Charlie Turner gave it a 9.5 out of ten for Michael Jason's performance. Uh, the Valyard in the story as a whole, the story is pretty good, so that gets a strong 8 out of 10. Rob Doyle says, absolutely bonkers, makes no sense, but I loved it. Colin's speech about the corruption of the Time Lords is wonderful. Great to see the Master back and love the way he just tells everyone what's happening rather than filming two more episodes, which would have been boring. Mm -hmm. So he gave the story 8 out of 10 overall, season 23, a 6.5. Joseph Howarth, this was a mess of a story, didn't make any sense, nothing that was really established was resolved. It had promise, but ultimately was a confusing wreck. Four out of ten. <laughs> Daniel Hickey. Well, it went from a total different way than I thought. This is my first time seeing a classic master. So yeah. looking forward to more. Glad this was two episode. Four would have dragged. 7.5 for the story and a 6.5 for the series as a whole. Okay. And lastly, David Carlin says, so here's the end of the trail of a Time Lord. And I have mixed feelings about it. Mel as a companion is just a no for me. And all the confusing moments probably makes it my least favourite of all four stories. If only there were more collaboration between all the story writers and editors to make it a more coherent story. Mm. Uh, it goes on to give it a 5 out of 10 for this and 7 out of 10 for overall for the series. Overall. Okay. Yeah. Uh, those comments, there were more written, by the way, but they were quite long. So if you want to check those out, just head over to our Facebook page. And that's going to do it, bud. For Trial of a Time Lord and everything next week, what we're on to. 
Yeah, so next week we're back to our usual schedule of Torchwood, Who, Sarah Jane, Classic New Who and all that. Uh, so we'll be kicking off with uh, Torchwood, uh, the episode Sleeper. This is the, what's their second episode of Series 2, right? Yeah, we're in Series 2 now, mate. Yeah, yeah. we're in Series 2 yeah. now, yeah. So Sleeper. So what was before this? It was Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, wasn't it? That kicked off <laughs> yeah. Series 2. So uh, We liked that one, didn't we? Yeah, not too bad, that one. Yes. So uh, all the uh, all of the Torchwood Hub crew looks like they're back for this one. I can't remember if I've seen this one or not. I think I have, but I can't remember. Can't remember a thing about it, yeah. to be honest. <laughs> yes. So next week we'll be reviewing Sleeper. Uh, and I think we'll wrap there, dude, for 269. All righty. <laughs> Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for sticking with us and listening to episode 269. We had some cracking big finish news earlier on. Can't wait for the fourth and tenth Doctor crossover story. Out of time, that's going to be awesome, I think. And the the other news about the master stories as well. Eric Roberts coming back, plus the um, uh, the other multi-master story. All sounds like really cool stuff, so... Uh, I'll put a link in the show notes to go to the Big Finish site for that. So that's definitely a pre-order, that stuff, for sure. Uh, Next week is Back to Torchwood, as Adam said. We're going to be reviewing Sleeper, which is episode two of series two. So get your DVDs or Blu-rays out for that, because we'll be asking for your thoughts, as always. Thank you so much to all of you that have sent in your reviews and stuff for this week for The Ultimate Foe, and also all of this month where we've gone through The Trial of a Time Lord bit apprehensive at first adam and i have spoken many times about how we're going to do it but now we've done it it feels great it was really good to go through all of that and revisit that stuff so thank you so much for sticking with us for that uh in the meantime until next week for episode 270 head over to the website bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk you can listen to all of our previous shows on there and you can link off to the various podcast apps and networks so that you can subscribe to the show when you don't miss it when it lands every single friday and if you have a minute or two to leave us a rating or a review, that would be awesome because that helps us out loads and loads. We're on the socials too, Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. Links on the website or just do a search for us. We chat and waffle about Doctor Who and all things Doctor Who throughout the week. So it'd be great to have you over on there. And we've also got a free Discord server. The links on the website. Come and hang out and chat Doctor Who over there too. Lots of very cool people over there. And lots of our listeners there as well. So it's great just to, uh, to waffle about Who stuff over there uh, also check out my co-host channel over on youtube the geeks handbag geeks handbag yes lots of vids and i'm on all the socials on the socials too yeah under the same the socials yep. yeah there's a link on our website to adam's channel go and check it out grab a cup of tea years worth of very cool geeks videos over there go and get stuck in and uh yeah as adam says on the socials as well we all chat doctor over there so come and get involved Rightio, buddy. Until next week for 270. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And remember... It's... Lundy!